there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again. Born to watch. The horror genre is one that's an acquired taste. Sure, almost every teenager goes through their horror stage, but most of the time that wears off as we get a little older. Horror movie directors usually stay in their comfort zone and rarely step out of the genre. But what happens when you put the best horror novelist of the time and a cinematic genius together? You get The Shining. In 1980, Stephen King's novel was adapted by Stanley Kubrick and a movie that asked more questions than it answered was released. The Shining took the world by storm and with the name Kubrick attached, it crossed the borders of the horror genre into the mainstream. Still today, it's a movie that's more than just watched, it's studied. With more than 237 conspiracy theories about the meaning of the movie, this Born to Watch episode could be one for the ages. We have a full house today, first time of five, so let's head up to the Overlook and meet the team. G-Man, welcome. Oh, looking forward to this one tonight. Great to be here. Full house, as you said. This is going to be great dissection. Mm. We're going to get. We're going to dive deep into this. There's a lot of fan theories, as you said. So, let's get into it. Absolutely, uh, Damo. How are you, mate? I'm good. Very good. And I'm going to agree. It's a full house. <laughs> nice. Good agreeance. Yeah. First Thank up. You. Love it. Thank get you, it Bob. Do you like that slang? Thank you, Bob Saget. Yep. Okay, up there on the land, Dan. How are you, bud? I don't like horror comics. <laughs> Thank you, Lost Boys. Was that Corey Haim or Corey Feldman? It was Corey Haim. It was Corey Haim. Right. I, I look a bit more like Feldman, but I prefer you to be You do Haim. look like Feldman. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you look like Feldman does now. Fuck. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Shit ass. Yeah, and look, as I said, we've got a full house and filling the fifth seat for the first time in Born to Watch history. A red face winner. Star of Man, Oh Man and Home and Away. Wow. And Australia's best look-back actor. Easily. Let's find out what that means. Exactly. <laughs> Croaks, welcome. How are you, mate? Good. Thank you for the honour of being part of the troupe. And I'm really looking forward to it because for me, The Shining is not only the best horror film of all time, top five greatest film of all time. Jeez. Yeah. Premature. Oh, Premature. You guys have a format. That's okay. I'm a first-timer. What are you going to do? No, that's good. That's good. We're going to break you in. And it might hurt. I'll listen more than I speak. Yeah, that's it. No. no, please don't. Please don't. Uh, look, this movie is 43 years old, which is just incredible to think that. And I've got to say, watching it doesn't look 43 years old. It's a beautifully filmed film. There's no doubt. Uh, the craft is, is eminent. Like, it is so good. I'm going to set the overs and unders at 20. Now, we're going to leave Damo to the end. Tell us... We'll start with you, Croaks, as our guest. You've already given a little bit away. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about being introduced to The Shining and, and whether you're uh, over or under 20. Now, just so I've got it right, over 20 mm. is a good thing, right? Well, it's, it's, it's how many times you've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. Oh, I see what you now. Yeah. I know what Overs you're and asking. unders. There we right. go. How many times you've yeah. seen the movie? Between yeah. 15 and 20. So I'm okay, you're about, you're, you're about on the ball. Yeah. Ball. We'll give that as a pass. Movies for me were growing up big part of life dad was big on horror i remember as a kid going to the drive-in and seeing devil's reign with ernest borgnine playing satan that movie's <laughs> crazy that's crazy and yep. I, I would have been maybe eight uh we would see race with the devil which was, we've had loretta swit oh, yeah. hot lips Hulan. hot lips Hulan. that movie was crazy so we were seeing these things just as kind of pulp mm. you know and then 
The Shining came in at a really young age and just stayed with me. That's the thing about that movie. It gets into your psyche and it stays with you. And that is what I think great cinematic art does, yep. which is what this film is. Did, did you see it at the movies? No, I saw it on VHS. Right. Yeah. On video. Yeah, okay. At the right. right time, yeah. Dan, yeah, Dan, what about you? Uh, tell us a bit about your uh, introduction to The Shining. Well, I've always wanted to turn up to a party and see a dude in a bear suit giving another bloke a BJ, but <laughs> it's never happened. And <laughs> an, I, arseless, I an arseless bear suit, mind you. Yeah, yep. Damo's uh, an Eyes Wide Shut fan, I know that. That's so true. We've, always, we've, we've had a bit of side chat about turning up to a party and seeing some Eyes Wide Shut action, but... Sadly, never a dude in a bear suit. But yeah, look, I'm, I'm a little bit like Croxy. It's definitely a movie that I have very fond memories of. I'm, I'm overs on 20. I reckon a little over the knocker on, on 20. So about a demo two. Um, yeah, big, big part of why I love cinema. And I'm very much looking forward to diving a bit deeper into this film and finding out if there is anything deeper to this film or if it's just the, the gives the internet something to talk about that uh, Stanley Kubrick never imagined would happen. Okay. G-Man, horror's not your bag. No, I'm I'm uh, going full demo here on the team. I'm uh, I reckon I'm at 3 3 viewings. Wow. Yeah. I watched it twice just for this podcast. I I watched it years and years ago and I, and I dare say it was with you guys somewhere. Um I've been told to watch because I never watched it when it first came out like I never never Got around to it. I only had heard how good it was, but um, yeah, I've watched it maybe a couple of times since then. That's okay. it. All right. I think Demo. we may need to correct that, gal. <laughs> we may correct that indeed. Damo, wow us with your uh, with your number. Well, I am on three. Okay, but I, I do remember. <laughs> like I, I remember being. I know maybe, you know, early. 80s early 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 40s yeah (laughs) when i was 80 um my neighbor telling me oh you should see this movie the shining there's this scene where there's this nude girl in this bath and i was like shit i gotta see this who who's the girl is it bo derrick yeah it's bo derrick it's bo derrick it's like oh my god i've got to go and see naked bo derrick because obviously there was 10 around there yeah definitely everything like that so yeah then i then i saw it and went well it's not bo derrick um but did you have to did you have to go and have a dick yeah, <laughs> so that's yes, <laughs> sure I did. Mate, and he, he was well past the the yeah. dicking stage by then. But that, but I I found the movie. Yeah, so. hang on, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Can you please explain to everyone and Croxy what having a dick is? Well, having a dick is just a rite of passage. <laughs> just have an own, yeah, have a little bit of a, a feel, a little bit of a play, right, with right. your own. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, right, yeah. Right. in a best suit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, look, I, <laughs> I'm i overs, well overs, to be honest. Uh, probably maybe 30, 35 times I've seen this movie. Saw it. It was one of the movies when you went into the video shop and you saw the cover. It was so striking, his face through the door. And that's, it was one of those ones, rated R. And back in the day, down the bottom of the case, it would have the big, tri- uh, the big diamond with the R. And it was so striking. It was like, oh, I can't wait until I'm old enough to watch that. Luckily, I was about 11 when I looked 18. So uh, I was able to watch it. I watched it probably as a 12 or 13-year-old, I reckon, the first time. Mum would have hired it for me and had no idea what was going on but knew that it was uh, – I wasn't far away from being introduced to Stephen King as a novelist either. Probably that 12 or 13, I started to read Stephen King novels. So I knew of him. Uh, so, look, 
have always had a soft spot for it. It was a very, very interesting rewatch this time around, though, and I'm sure we'll really dive deep into it. Okay, uh, we're going well so far. It's uh, time for the trailer, just for you, Johnny Bull. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I hired a man named Charles Grady as the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family with an axe. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. Mom, they really won't go and live in that hotel for the winter. Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is uh, the tremendous sense of isolation. Is there something bad here? I fear you will have to deal with this matter in the harshest possible way. I agreed that I killed you with Manny. You did this to me, didn't you? I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Oh, there we go. Another original trailer. Croxy, thoughts? I love the original trailer. Yeah. It's, uh, it's classic Kubrick. And I think it's one of the best trailers of that period. He, he says so much. At the same time, he shows you so little. Yes. Well, and that's a bit of a difference com- to some of the other trailers that we've seen, which have been microcosms of the whole movie the whole, in two yeah, and a half minutes. Frames of everything. Yeah, but, absolutely. But would Kubrick have directed the trailer? He, he had a voice on it. So he was very uh, clear on what he wanted to do with the trailer and he had a voice with the studio on what that trailer should be. So I don't know if many directors, maybe apart from Nolan, would have that kind of play I'll tell you now. What, understanding how all over everything Kubrick was in this movie and how many times things had to be done, I can't imagine that he wasn't right there, you know, directing this whole thing. Mm. He's a tyrant, yeah. there's no doubt. Okay, G-Man, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Shining? Okay, the tagline he came as the caretaker, but this hotel had its own guardians who had been there a long time. <laughs> Jack Torrance becomes a winter caretaker at the isolated Overlook Hotel in Colorado, hoping to cure his writer's block. He settles in along with his wife, Wendy, and his son, Danny, who is plagued by psychic premonitions. As Jack's writing goes nowhere and Danny's visions become more disturbing, Jack discovers the hotel's dark secrets and begins to unravel into a homicidal maniac hell-bent on terrorising his family. That's about right. That's about right. He does terrorise them. And I'll tell you what, he, he descends quick, doesn't he? Yeah, I've got, the, I've got that in question time. He mm. does descend very quickly. Well, I don't know. It, it went from being uh, no snow outside to being like 40 foot of snow outside. I don't know how quick that would have been. He's already on the edge when he's in the car trip out oh, there. Yeah, he with, is, yeah. Uh, he saw it on the television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Critical thinking. So The Shining rates 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb. That's number 64 in the top 250. Okay. So it is well received. It's 83% certified fresh on the tomato meter. 
83 is good. And 93% audience wow, score. Wow, 93. So it rates very, very well. Not surprising. A couple of reviews. I've got a good review, uh, review here from Bruce McCabe of the Boston Globe. Old bruiser. Macca. When you sit down to The Shining, you sit down with normal expectations of being diverted, perhaps even gripped, but not being undermined. But the film undermines you in powerful, incoherent ways. Wow, I'm trying to get my head around that. Yeah. It's great. It's, did Kubrick write that? I think he may have. <laughs> Script writer wrote it. Did Kubrick ever say in the way it was written? <laughs> <laughs> I know that King apparently, and again, you know, you guys run me to format if I start to... No, no go for it. But I, I know that uh, I found a quote that King had actually said at the time, Kubrick has built a beautiful Cadillac without an engine. Yes. Yep. I've got right. that quote. There's a whole quote. Yeah. There's a whole long quote. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that one a bit later. So yeah. Yeah, I'm already jumping because down. He, okay. was, Jump no, because he, was, uh, he was not too happy with the interpretation. With the interpretation. No, no. And, and some of the actors as well. Mm. Yeah. What has been a good adaptation of a Stephen King novel, though? There's very, very few. Christine... Love, Christine's yeah, pretty good. I, I loved Christine. Uh, I was thinking about this in the car on the way down. The Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot's brilliant. The movie Salem's Lot. Lot. Yeah, the movie. Like the, the telly movie. Yeah, with, yeah um, I did watch that. With uh, Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, yeah with, with Starsky yeah. or Hutch, yeah. which one he was. Yeah. It's not as scary as it was in the 80s. What, um, what about, uh, what it, about it Misery? It was very good. Um, Misery. Misery's great. Misery's really good. Mm. Misery, Misery's my favourite. Yeah, that's that's yeah. definitely... Uh, Misery's... I think it... It is very good. The original It was good. Yes. Uh, and I think I actually didn't mind the remake either. The latest version, Chapter 1's pretty good. Yeah, the first Chapter one. Chapter 2 yeah. went too deep with CGI. And I hear you. Yeah. What about Lawnmower Man? <laughs> oh, I remember that. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that That's was, uh, was cutting edge. Yeah, it was oh, cutting edge at the time. Tended, no pun intended. Yes. Cutting edges. <laughs> Terrible. That movie. God almighty. Yeah, not great. Man. Not great. Okay, bad review. We're going back to the well. It's old Wayne's brother, Dave oh. Kerr, of the Chicago Reader. He hasn't liked a thing, has he? I don't think we've done one good review for him. And I actually passed on uh, Ferdy today. Oh, did yeah. you? We passed on the Ferdy, Ferdy bird. Can we okay. Sing it? Choppy Dave. Can we sing it? Yeah. No, oh, we, okay. we can't. No. <laughs> All right. We've given enough free freaking advertising <laughs> to Dominelli Ford. That's right. We still haven't He's got no Ford lasers. We've got no lasers. We've got exactly. no meteors. Okay. Kubrick is after a cool, sunlit vision of hell. Born in the bosom of the nuclear family. But his imagery, with its compulsive symmetry and brightness, is too banal to sustain interest. While the incredibly slack narrative line forestalls suspense. He's obviously not a fan of a brightly lit horror movie. Because this was this is kind of different to most horror movies where it's dark and it's scary. This is... All well lit. It's all well lit. It's well lit. And he also, what Kubrick does, which I think is an interesting trick, he, he, he flips the genre on its head a little bit. You don't get the jump scare. If you take notice, no, you're right. you see you see Danny look and we hold on that shot before we reveal the twins are in the game room. Mm. That's you, right. There's always a, we're going to watch the reaction before the jump scare. So he, he kind of throws the genre on its head a little bit. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that was jarring for people at the time. You well, know? There's, a, there's really only the one jump scare where, uh, I guess, the, the axe to the chest. That's the only time oh, where there's oh, any scabbing. element of surprise. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of it is, it is it's very... Well, he still came out... Yeah, ah, yeah, but he, yeah. he came around the corner. Yeah. He's not expecting it. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. Yeah. That is true. So, yeah. th but other than that, oh, you're right. He 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 lays it all out. Well, mm -hmm. it, it, it really it gave you this sort of foreboding. What the hell are they looking at? Dread. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dread. Yeah. dread. Yeah. It's like like yeah. a, the the mum, you know, and she's 
you see her face when she's looking at the bear suit people. <laughs> yes. The bear suit man. It's like, yes. what is she looking at? Yeah. Like, oh. I don't know what she's looking at. Yeah. We yeah, can probably like, I imagine well, we'll get to that, though. No, right? yeah, but I will <laughs> say, too, now, now we did mention in the beginning that you are Australia's best look-back actor. Yeah. Right? So what I mean is, Crokes was in uh, Chappelle, the miniseries. The, tele, the telly movie. The, the telly movie. That was a feature film, my friend. <laughs> that feature, and you had to do this scene where you did the look-back, the uh, home and away well, look-back. Well, I, I played Mick Kelty, who at the time was the head of the uh, Australian Federal Police, and I yes. finished a scene with uh, Downer, and... We finish the scene, and yes, we, 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 the director calls cut. He's happy. And then, uh, are we sidetracking here? We're going okay. Go for it. Go, go. And then the director says, uh, okay, Michael, that's fine. Now, before we finish with you, uh, I'd like you to look back over your shoulder and just have a thought about how that meeting went. And I remember thinking, <laughs> great, I get to do a real neighbour's home and away <laughs> school of the arts performance moment. Yeah. And uh, it made the final cut. And it's thrilling. <laughs> and you nailed it. And you nailed it. And now I have labelled you Australia's best lookback actor. Now, the reason I brought this up, and it's obviously a long way around, but the guy in the bear suit, they did a yeah, that's, look up that's a and look a up. look out. There yes. you go. Now, as a lookback actor, <laughs> what difference is there in preparing for a scene for a look up and out? Damon, I'm glad you asked because... <laughs> As an artist yes. and, and someone that, that that loves and respects the craft, uh, it's all about choice. Okay. It's about it's about what what's the thought of the character in that moment, yep. and uh, I certainly had to dig deep to find mine. And you'll see when you look at that scene in the film, yeah. uh, it's all there in my eyes. And, uh, <laughs> is it so? Is it is a look back actor? Is it is it too hard to do a look up and like? Is it they're just two totally different things? It is. Uh, yeah. uh, look, I, I was a classic <laughs> L- LBA. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. if, if if you were to go back and have a look at that film, you'll see uh, what I think you'll see is the fine brush strokes that I bring to that. <laughs> Over-the-shoulder look. God, it was a good LBA. It's, it's no guy in an arseless bear suit. No. As far as an Australian film performance, it yeah. was a feature film if I had We, we might have to get our production yeah. team onto this. Get, yeah. it, get, get the look well, back. We will, we get will get find, LBA. We'll find Trust me, production will find the LBA mm. and it shall be on Instagram. Go back yeah. and take a look. It's, yeah. uh, it's stirring. And oh, I loved it. <laughs> look, and we're going to go from, from the world's... Well, we're going now from the world's best LBA. Oh, no, Australia's. Two. Australia's. <laughs> two. Yeah. Ordinary people. Right. How will he match up with the cast of this cracker? Mm. G-Man. Well, a limited cast in this one. Let's start with uh, good old John Joseph Nicholson himself. JJ. Now, I didn't know he was John. He's John Joseph. JJ. Good times. <laughs> Dino. Temporary <laughs> layoff. Good times. <laughs> Ain't we lucky we got him. <laughs> good times. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes. So, look, he's a three-time Academy Award winner and 12-time nominee. Now, he's notable for being one of two actors that have won or received an Oscar nom in every decade from the 60s through to the 2000s. Whoa. Do you know what movies? He's had a number of movies, but can you can you pick? Can anyone pick yep, movies? I can do it. They've got uh, Chinatown in the 60s. Yeah, Chinatown in the 70s. 70s. Okay, 60s. Easy Rider. Well done. 80s. Uh, few good men. I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, no, 80s, that was eighties, nineties, eighties. Witches of Eastwick. Eighties, Witches of Eastwick. Departed. No, he didn't get one for the Departed. Mm. The last detail. Two thousand. Two thousands. Oh, two thousands are very You won't get. You won't get this one. Right. He he got a best supporting actor nom for About Schmidt. Oh, okay. Yeah, he played. Wouldn't have got that. 
The Departed he didn't get anything for, which is okay. sort of crazy. Look, the only other person that's ever done that, do we know who it is? Oh, so it's obviously a long Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin uh, Hoffman. I'll, I'll tell you, he's an English actor. Michael Caine? Well done. Oh, yeah. Did you know? Did you know? For no particular reason, I'll start talking here, and then all of a sudden did I get you very loud. Know? For no particular reason. This, this, we, we are did experts you know? at Michael Caine. Did yeah. you know? Did you know? Does anyone know one of his movies? I won't go through them all. My, Michael Caine's movies? Yeah. Uh, terrible oh. fucking accent. Get Carter? Jaws the Revenge? Well, there we go. <laughs> yes. Right. Alfie. Was oh, one in the yeah, 60s. Yeah, yeah. There was Educating Reader, Hannah and the Sisters, The Cider House Rules. Oh. Not as, not as many, many well-known ones. Yeah. You know. I bumped yeah. into Michael Caine once. I met him. Did you? Yeah, I was at SeaWorld. He was walking toward me. Okay. And uh, we stopped and had a quick chat about Death Trap. Okay. The film Death Trap. Uh, because uh, a friend of mine, uh, when I was big in the local community theatre scene, <laughs> had yeah. played, a, played a role on stage. And we talked about that. He was not interested. Get <laughs> <laughs> uh, brushed. How, su- how Michael, surprising. Uh, my name's Michael as well. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah a, a good friend of mine was recently in a local production of Death Trap. That's a great play. Yes, it is. See you later. And uh, it was, that was largely it. But, uh, Where's the penguins? Well, hey, hey, it's one degree. Yeah. yeah. One degree. One degree of Michael. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Well, shit, well, you might be a one degree of Quigley Down Under somewhere. Quigley Down what a great, yeah, great film. Mate, um, Michael Caine was on the talk show. You heard this story. He's on a talk show and he's talking about he's making, a few. He's making a movie. Yeah, what's the guy in the, in the UK? David Graham Frost. Norton, Graham Norton. Okay, right. So yeah. Graham Norton. He was talking about making a movie in the Philippines years ago and he was in Manila and he got invited to this house party. It was really posh. Anyway, he's talking to people and he sees the hostess looking over at him and she's looking rather nastily at him and he's like, oh, what's she like? I'm a guest here. I'm a well-known guest. Um, anyway, after a while she waved him over and he went over to her and she said, are you a drug dealer? <laughs> and she said, he goes, no, I'm an actor. And she goes, why do people keep saying my cocaine? Oh my god, <laughs> my cocaine! Oh god, <laughs> fucking hell! Jack Nicholson. Uh, well, we've gone through all these movies, so there you yeah, go. no, there's, there's, there's not a lot else. There. Is Look. he? Is he the? Is he the greatest actor of our generation? Mm, I don't think so, but he certainly has the best resting evil face. Out of has any he got the best eyebrows in, that, in that the face, business? Yes, got, his face is. Evil. He's just got this. Even when he's resting, yes, resting evil face. It's like resting bitch he, face. He's got it evil. Yeah, he just he, looks in evil. this movie. He just the, the facials he gets. You can just it just turns you straight away, doesn't it? You, you Even can his really nice believe face. him as that. His yeah. nice face is like. Well, he looks like the he looks like the Joker. Mm. Mm. Well, like before he was cast, yeah. he was doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even but, uh, in uh, Postman, always rings twice. Where I guess he's you know he's he's more of a. Not a romantic lead, but there's an eroticism and there's all this kind of sexual tension. But even then, he still seems dangerous. He, well, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he, he seems unhinged. Mm, he's, mm. he's no Hollywood hunk. No. That's no. for sure. That's for sure. But look, a uh, couple of sliding doors. He turned down the lead role of Roy Neary in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm. Wow. Um, even though he knew it was a success, but he thought that the special effects would overwhelm whoever did that part. Oh, so it, it all had to be about him. Yeah, <laughs> it's cramping uh, his style. Yeah. Something could take the limelight off him. He was asked to play the role of Michael Corleone in The Godfather, but he turned that down as well. He's not Italian. He, no, well, that's why. Yeah. He turned it down because he thought it should go to an Italian actor. Uh, he was also considered for the role of Tom Hagen. Tom Hagen? Yeah, uh, Robert DeVal. Robert DeVal. Robert DeVal. Oh, yeah. right, the accountant. Yeah. Right. Uh, he also considered for Silence of the Lambs as well. Yeah, Which you could see him making a good fist of. As Meeks... 
It's Migs. It's Migs. Did sorry, did Tamo, did you did you just demote him to the accountant in the Godfather film? <laughs> <laughs> He's a consigliere. Yeah. Yeah. He's the trusted advisor. At least for one movie to, anyway. No, he gets why why don't you marry him? I won't copy yeah. him as an accountant. He would look in saying that, I think that Jack Nicholson could have easily uh, played the part of Miggs. Yeah, I well, think he would have definitely had a good fling on him. Would he? And the the remember we talked about the audition yeah, pro, yeah, process definitely. to get Migs. It was a dartboard yeah. set up three meters away. Yeah. Who can <laughs> who can hit the bullseyes? One hundred and eighty. One hundred and eighty and twenty and yeah. fifteen. <laughs> so you know the flick scene, <laughs> the flick yeah. scene where Migs flicks the uh, semen into Clarice's face yes, and hair. Yes, yeah, that's yes. what we're talking yeah, about. We're talking yeah, about yeah, the exact. It was a big. Uh, Dartboard. Yeah, big dartboard. The, that they, the that's how they audition. Yeah. Audition process. Sit yeah, there, right, right. Aim for the dartboard. Whoever gets closest, you got the role. You've got the part. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. We're nearly, we're nearly done with the cast. So keep yeah, going. Yeah. All right. Well, Shel- that's one person. That's yeah. one. There's we're not many done. more, though. Oh, wow. yeah. um, Shelley Duvall. So her first role was in uh, a Robert Altman movie in 1970 called Brewster McLeod. Um, she was Nanny Hall in 77 with Woody Allen. The sequel was uh, Brewster's Millions. Now, if you haven't seen that, <laughs> Richard Pryor. It Richard took Pryor. A, with the sequel, they decided to do a real sharp left turn. Yeah, they did. And, uh, <laughs> it's still they got did. Brewster in it. It's still got Brewster. <laughs> and then, but, Sorry. Uh, yeah. she, was in, she was in Popeye as well this year in 1980. Oh That's she's Robert Altman as well. She's a very yeah. good olive oil she looking. perfectly cast. cast. Yeah. 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 She's in Roxanne as well and Suburban Commando with Hulk Hogan and Christopher Lloyd in wow. 91. Mm. Uh, recently, this... Oh, this year was in a movie called The Forest Hills. Mm-hmm. But in between that, not a lot. Not a lot of stuff She was recovering on. from the filming oh, yeah. of The Shining. After Kubrick's treatment. Yeah, after Kubrick yeah. uh, Broke put her. it through the ringer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Is she any good in this movie? Let's just start there. I like her. I think she's great. She's not a very good runner. Oh, she's, she's, a bad runner. she's in Sporting Prowess, a few issues there. But I, she's I, got the light hands. Yeah. I really liked her. I really good, liked her. And That's holy a, crap, she could have a durry with the longest ash on it in the history of ash on a cigarette. It was a solid inch before that thing was falling off. That was that was the most ang- anxious I felt in the whole movie. Where's his ash going to fall? And into his sandwich. No, this is when she was talking to the um, the counsellor lady. Oh, have a look yes. at the size of the ash yeah. on that durry. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. But I, I really I really liked Shelley Duvall in this. I felt so sorry for her. Horrendous teeth. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful eyes. So Massive eyes. She's got, got good eyes. There are yeah. a couple of scenes there in the, in the close-ups where uh, particularly she's looking down at the typewriter and Kubrick's shooting up. Her lips, oh, her from eyes, the typewriter. Yeah. She's backlit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's actually a strikingly classical, beautiful-looking... Careful. Yeah. yeah. Careful, croaks. I don't want to make any yeah. kind of... Careful. <laughs> I really, should I... Please. <laughs> well, yet again, she wasn't, um, she wasn't a favourite. Well, Stanley Kubrick really wanted her for the role because he wanted that type of person in the role that was, uh, you know, was... Not very good. Oh, sorry, not very uh, strong. So yes. that, that kind of person. She certainly portrayed that. Yeah. So in the book, she's more of a ex-cheerleader type mum. Yes. And she's Buxom blonde. blonde. And she's strong. Not that I've read. And, yeah, and that's, that's what, right. And Stephen yes. King was looking at other other actors for that part, for that reason. Yeah. But yeah. Kubrick wanted that that style. Yeah. King cast uh, Rebecca de Mornay in uh, de Mornay. Yes. Yes. In uh, yes. 96. Yes. Yeah. Very good in risky mm. business. Very good. Mm. So Rebe- Rebecca Dumornay and Ellen Barkin are those confusing lead actors, female kind. We might have called them actresses back in the day. But are they hot? I don't know. They kind of are, and then I'm not sure. And it's, yeah, it's all 
all a bit strange. Do you remember the Seinfeld episode where Jerry had the of girlfriend course. and in the yeah. right light she was gorgeous, but then in other <laughs> lights she was really yeah. ugly? <laughs> I, I think that Rebecca De Mornay is that actress. She can. No, in, she's, you look at her and you go, gosh, she's gorgeous, and then you might see her again and go, whoa. Ugh. Yes, well, Ellen Barkin is a bit of a snaggle nose yeah. too. Bit of an Owen Wilson. Big time snaggle nose. But no, so she's still a good sort. <laughs> sea of love. Yeah. She became yeah. a, a sex symbol. She did. And siesta. No, no uglier sex scene than Al Pacino and Ellen Barkin. Yeah. Really? If you get an erection there, you got issues. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Danny Lloyd, who plays the role of Danny Torrance. Big in the movie. movie career. Big movie career. <laughs> He's actually now a, a biology teacher at a university. So there was only this is the one. Oh, sorry, there was one more movie. He did one more movie after this, but then he was only six at the time. Was out of the is game. He six in this movie. Yeah. That's it's crazy to think how well he acted in this. Yeah, he's great. And was, yeah. yeah, and and the reason he had him because he like uh, Stanley Kubrick wanted because his ability to concentrate for long periods of time. Mm. Mm. But you just think a six-year-old being able to I hold know. some of those lines and mm. and work with the actors like that is so good. Well, just the well, yeah, apparently he didn't know he was making a horror film. Okay. Kubrick was no. very sensitive to that. Yeah, and yeah. so he just knew I'm shooting this scene where this thing happens, and Kubrick kept no him out context. of context. Yeah, yeah. you watch that scene where uh, he's sitting with uh, Halloran, and they're talking about The Shine. Yep, and. He, he understates beautifully everything, but he's still present. He's listening. He's got he's his chocolate around his he's mouth. He's got the chocolate around his mouth. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's. I think it's a right next to Henry Thomas, the best performance from a child actor in any film. Which is Henry Thomas? Uh, E.T. E.T. E. E. Oh, right. Yeah, Elliot. You yeah. seen that footage where he he auditions for? Yeah, I got Spielberg. it on the thing. Yeah. Oh man, that's magic, mate. That's and another one. That's a two two and a half million views. That one. And Spielberg sending off camera. You got the job, kid. You got the job, kid. Uh, yeah. right. And he's there. Do you know that on our on our TikTok that the casting director has commented on that video wow. on my TikTok. What? She was there. She goes, that's my voice that you can hear in the Fantastic. background. So, wow. yeah. Wow. so What a moment. Yeah, incredible. Very. We're big, we're big I'd stuff. Like to, I'd like <laughs> to circle back Trust on us. child actors uh, a little bit further down. I've been biting <laughs> oh, my is One of Morgs' favourite. So, Strokesy, I'm very, very interested in this topic and we'll, we'll come back to it. So, stand by. <laughs> he loves an Aussie child actor. Yeah. That's for sure. Yes, yes. All right, just quickly, we'll go with Scatman Crothers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Scatman! He's a Scatman! Now, can, can we, uh, before we get there, just a dirty perf, Scatman. His bedroom. He's got His the, bedroom's nude, interesting. the nude photos oh. behind his bed. Yeah. He's got the wank bank in front of him, and then when he needs to turn yeah. around. For a, yeah, he's got the well, paintings. He's all like he could just dial up onto the interweb and... and and get no, his kicks. No. Like a, a photo of but you, Farrah Fawcett back in the day and uh, it, you could have you could have uh, a dick like Damo. It's um <laughs> it's uh, it reminded me the, the big yeah. photo behind the the big photo behind the bed reminded me of uh one Craig Plimmer's master bedroom oh. with the naked photos <laughs> up behind the bed. Yeah, he did he did have a fair bit in his room, didn't Mate, he? Mate, he's uh, yeah, she, well, she's German. She doesn't know any better. <laughs> We've all used it. <laughs> Uh, Maybe Alright Good old scat man Now he was in An early movie He's in Black Belt Jones Oh With Jim Kelly From uh, Enter the Dragon Yes Yeah he was uh, He was in that An early one He's in obviously One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest In 75 as well With Jack Nicholson Yeah uh, he was in Zapped. Do you remember Zapped? Of yes. Scott Ames. Bayo Scott yeah, Bayo, Scott Bayo. Bayo. Yeah. It's terrible it, But yeah. it's a great cover 
Yeah, it's got the, the red red skirt with the ass, and they're zapping the ass. I think it's it. going to be full of yeah. boobs, yeah. and there's none in it. Yeah. Yeah. What's Gump Bayo? Uh, and Heather. Thomas, Thomas, maybe. I think it was Heather Thomas. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, but Willie Ames from. Uh, Ames nah, you're thinking of Heather Locklear. Yeah, was it Locklear? I think it's Locklear. I can't remember, but it's a blonde one. Mm. It's a blonde Heather. No, it's not Locklear. It's not Heather Locklear. I think it's Heather Thomas. Yeah, I think. Was it, it TJ Hooker or the other one? Fall guy, wasn't Fall it? Fall guy, I think it's Fall guy. guy. Yeah. I had that theme song going. I'm oh, not the kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with Farrah. I've never been with anything less than a nine. So fine. Beautiful. <laughs> wow. Wow. Right there. Yep. In the pocket. We're never far away. In the when pocket. I wind up in the hay, it's only hay. <laughs> hey, hey. hey. <laughs> Jimmy. Wow. That's it. Oh, he's in two of a kind in 84 with John oh, Travolta Olivia. and Olivia John. Yes. Yeah. Mate, what about his legs? Mate, he's got the most bow legged legs ever. Yeah. Looks like his right leg's been broken seventeen times. Like I was, I was actually having to rub my own leg watching him. Poor old scat. You were rubbing your leg. Yeah, because I was like, I'm thinking, <laughs> God, he must be in some pain. Rubbing he must your be in some leg. pain. Yeah. Well, yeah. in upper inner thigh. Over scat man. I may have touched my sack. <laughs> he reminds me a bit of my my departed grandfather. What the fuck, Chuck? He he used to have quite the bow legs. So yeah. yeah. Ow. Why do why do cowboy uh, why do cowgirls walk bow legged? Oh, you tell me. Because cowboys eat with their hats on. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we, do. we do. Over to you, gal. All right, let's move on. That's it. <laughs> but imagine if your name is named after shit, like yeah. what? Scat. Mm. Scat. It's named Scat's after. He's named after scat music and bebop. Yeah. Mate, be it's named after. It calls scat shit. It's a derivative yeah. of scatology, yeah. which is the study of fecal oh matter <laughs> through historical That's time. Right. So I did four units scat at yeah. school. I did four <laughs> units scat. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, passed with flying colours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, G man. What about the uh, any awards budget? All right, uh, here we box go. Box office. So the gross for this movie was forty-five point seven million. Um, opening weekend, it only did six hundred and twenty-two thousand on a budget of nineteen million. Wow! So it made oh, its money a back. Bad start. Look, good good year nineteen eighty. You know what the best picture was? Best Empire picture. Strikes Back. Best director? No, no. The awards? Oh fuck! Who cares? Ordinary people. Yeah, oh. that's where we get. That's where we get the. That's uh, where we get it from. The thing from ordinary. So people. look, this was number seventeen. The Shining was number seventeen that year, money wise, at forty-five point seven. I said Star Wars two, the Empire or Star Wars five, the Empire Strikes Back was five hundred and forty-nine million. Yeah. Nine to five came in second. Stir crazy. Great year for movies. Nine Airplane, to five's a great movie. Any which way you can. Private Benjamin, Coal Miner's Daughter, Blues Brothers. Could you imagine four or five comedies being in the top ten movies yeah. of the year nowadays? Yeah. This yeah. wouldn't happen. Yeah. Would not it's happen. It's crazy. Caddyshack was out that year, and there's so many. Yeah. Flash Gordon. Yeah. Savior of the Universe. Raging Bull. Raging Bull won a heap of awards that year. Yeah. Obviously, Robert De Niro Robert got De Niro. Best Actor. Joe Pesci. Did he get Best Supporting Actor? Um, no, Timothy Hutton got it for Ordinary People. Do we do we still do Hit Sleeper Dud as a, yep. as a second? Yeah, it's oh, coming. Yeah. So Gal's just reading out every film in 1980, so <laughs> yeah. we don't have any to talk about. Is that the guy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're full of scat moves. I think, <laughs> I think it, we would, it would be remiss of us to not mention Kubrick. Mm. And I know Croaks is a massive Kubrick fan, but... An absolute visionary, 
there's there's been movies after the fact that have been made like AI and there's a couple other movies that were scripts of his and stuff that he had been been obviously Steven Spielberg just took over and finished what he had done, but Croaks, tell us a little bit about what Kubrick means to you because I know that he's he, you know, your favorite movie of all time is a is a Kubrick film and it's not Full Metal Jacket. No, it's uh, two thousand and one, A Space Odyssey. I really quick. I uh, saw that when I was a kid on a double feature. My parents took me, and it was two thousand and one. Followed by Star Wars. We all wanted to see Star Wars. Of course you know? we did. Uh, and I remember I came out of that cinema. That obviously, Star Wars blew off the back of my brain. But I hated 2001 for a good 20 plus years. And I remember thinking as I got older, and we were talking about this off mic, great art doesn't change, but we change. Right? So as we get older and we start to think differently and we have experiences, I sat down and watched 2001 in my mid-30s. And I can still remember the day when I watched it. And I thought, I've got to give this movie a chance. Maybe I'm missing it. And it clicked. And I now, I hold that as the, the greatest achievement in cinema for all time. And I put The Shining right up there as well. I think what I love about Kubrick is he didn't give a shit about what the market was asking for. He didn't give a shit about what the, he thought the audience needed. He gave a shit about art and he, he gave a shit about cinema. And he was uncompromising. I think that's why his movies, we're still talking about them. Yeah, for uh, sure. Because I think he was a kind of artist. And I think Nolan's probably similar. Terence Malick probably falls into that same space where there's, uh, I'm making this and I'm using the art form to tell this story. Uh, you're going to have to keep up with me. You're going to have to. I found 2001, like The Shining, is multi-layered and reveals itself through multiple viewings. Mm. As you age, it gives you more. It becomes richer. Yeah. So, uh Okay. I, I've, I've got no side say reference that. in there, I know, but... <laughs> no, no, I, I, the only thing I'd add, Craig, I think that's a, a, a very, very series of good points, but I, I would just like to say that Gao hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> so he still, he still loves what he loves, and fucking good luck to him is what I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well done, gents. Let's, let's move into... 1980 hit sleeper dud. Now I'm going to lead away because I'd be disappointed if someone else doesn't have this movie, but I don't think anyone does. It's just got to be Empire Strikes Back, the greatest Star Wars movie ever made. Even 43 years on, it has never been even remotely come close to, apart from the original. Uh, even today, it, they still can't get the mix right, mm. and which they did in that second film, which took everything that they did in the first one and doubled down and, and made the best Star Wars movie, hands down. Uh, there's nothing more to be said. So, anyway, uh, Damo, hit. Hit, I've gone for Superman 2. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it as a kid. I don't know what, I haven't seen it for 30 years or maybe more. But as a kid, I thought it was so good having those um, three uh, prison, yeah, Zod, yes. get, broke out of that uh, Whatever they're in that glass sort yeah, of uh, yeah, the prism, yeah. prism, yeah, and to have them battling on it, I just, I just remember, I loved it as a kid. I uh, just really enjoyed that movie. Interesting, because such a shitty production. Like Richard yeah. Donner got sacked, yeah, and they've actually just there's an actual Donner cut which you can watch now, which is the movie that he wanted, but a much shorter version of the first movie. It's a, it's essentially the first movie again, but. Yeah, it's, it's good. I like. I like oh, Superman too. Mork takes so the long. first Superman. Yeah, but as a kid, I just, yeah. I, I just thought it was just sensational, yeah. and maybe only second to Empire in that year. Yeah, like okay. we're not back then watching it. Yeah, Dan, what do you got up there on the land? 
Oh, Gaston my thunder a little, but not really. He just mentioned Flash Gordon, which I really love. And it's because it was one of my famous four films on VHS that I used to watch all the time. Oh, so. from the library. Gordon's alive! Gordon's I've just alive. Uh, I've seen Max von it so, so yep. many times. Max von Sydow. Uh, uh, the, um, the ex- Top former former NFL player Sam J. Jones as yeah. a star as well. Proving to have quite a bit of superhero chops, but yeah, I—it's—it's I, it's no secret that I can't stand the latest iteration of superhero flicks. But this one, it's camp as fuck. It's awesome. Uh, it was filmed on the same sound stages actually as The Shining there in the UK, so that has nothing to do with it really. But just thought I'd throw that in. Uh, yeah, really good flick, and I think worth a revisit if you haven't seen it for forty you never- years. You were never a Flesh Gordon guy? Oh, oh I remember right. Flesh Gordon. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. No? Yeah. Just, just me? Flesh Gordon was a fantastic movie. <laughs> it was just tits galore. Mm. Croaks, what do, you got? what do you got for hit apart from uh, Flesh Gordon? You can't beat Empire. I, I agree with you. And I, I watched that recently with my kids, and I, it felt like I was watching it for the first time. Yeah. The production design, there's not a, I don't think there's a flaw in that film. And There's not. And in fact, I think it's got the best, well, the best looking scene in all of Star Wars, which is the, the Vader uh, Skywalker fight at the end where it's the orange yeah. and it's and it's before he goes down the trap. And yes. It's just so, it's fucking beautiful. It's yeah. brilliant. It is a beautiful yeah. film to yeah. look at. Yeah, it's, uh, and it, 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 it's better with age. It's great art. Yeah. 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 When, you, when you watch the first one and, and you love it and you think it's so good and then the second one comes out and it's better. Yeah, yeah arguably happen. better. It just doesn't happen. You're just thinking, wow. Like, I remember coming out of that just thinking, that's the greatest. That's the greatest of all time. And you're all pissed off at the end too. When yeah. They yeah. go, what? They can't end now. No way. But you're just what? hanging then. Yeah. It was hanging for that third one. Yeah. I know Look, that we, we're not all fans uh, of Empire. Uh, sorry, the, the Return of the Jedi. I know we do. it's kind of uh, a... It obviously puts a full stop on the story arc, but it's really interesting how the second film, all, how much shit the characters have to... Get uh, get over and how much adversity they face, and and a lot of them don't. So it's kind of it's, as an arc, I think it's perfectly set up, and it's so different to Star Wars being very much comic book strip. Whereas this one, we're just mm. buying in a lot more to, I guess the, uh, the the more depth of all of the characters and and the adversity that is chucked in front of them. Absolutely, G Man. Obviously, Empire. I had two others up there that. Uh, oh, you've I done a morgue. No, just I just to say, <laughs> one was the Blues Brothers. Because yep. it's so good, such yep. a great musical show. So and there's a lot. There's a lot of. I like. I also really like the Blues Brothers. Gal. A lot of people fucking hate it. I. I don't. Yeah. Croxy, where do you sit on this? And Damo, where do you? What's your thoughts? I do love the Blues Brothers. I was actually listening to the soundtrack probably two weeks ago. Really like everyone. Really liked the everyone songs. had the soundtrack, and yeah. it was no. you yeah because it, it, them it, yeah. everybody orange whip <laughs> orange whip orange whip. Yeah. Now I, I I actually I watched I watched it about three weeks ago too, but um it's it's. It's shit, but it's also freaking funny. Um, I'm on a mission from God. It was just funny. Yeah. It's just stupid. I We've had a lot of beers in our lifetime, and we've had a lot of beers with Morgs, and him saying, orange whip, orange whip, three <laughs> orange whips. <laughs> Doesn't every time off. he has a shout. Does not yeah. grow yeah. Which is not very fucking often. He said it, <laughs> he said it three times months, in 30 yeah. fucking years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, the other one was Any Which Way You Can. Oh, I love Philo Better. Philo Better, both movies are awesome. That's the sequel, yeah? Yep, that's yeah. the sequel. Still Every right way Clyde, loses the right first. Yeah. Yep. Right uh, great movie. Can I drop one in there while we're dropping a few more in? Can I just throw one more yeah, in there? Yeah, go for it. Uh, Jane Seymour, Christopher Reeve, Somewhere in Time. Oh, written wow. Written by Richard Matheson. No, no, I don't even recall it. It's 
great. And I, I remember watching that as a kid and I still remember where I was laying on the floor with mum and dad. Well, I wasn't laying on the floor with them. They're sitting up on the, on the uh, couch and I'm laying on the floor watching this film. And uh, it stayed with me. Very hard to find. Richard Matheson wrote a lot of great stuff. Uh, I'm sure I got that name right. Twilight Zone episodes and so oh, okay. on. Great uh, fantasy writer. But Somewhere in Time is a solid film. Okay. It's a romantic film. It's a love story related to time travel and a man who meets a woman of his dreams only to go... Christopher Plummer, isn't it, is the yep, villain? he is. Wow. It's, oh. worth, it's worth a look. Gale. Here we go. Yeah. A Chicago playwright uses self-hypnosis to travel back in time and meet the actress whose vintage portrait hangs in a oh. grand hotel. Scatman would want to do that with his uh, And it's not portraits. the overlook. <laughs> yeah, but right. oh, yeah. The hotel is the centerpiece of the story. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Sleeper, I have got the final countdown. <laughs> Kirk Douglas. Uh, modern aircraft carriers thrown back in time to 1941. Near Hawaii, just hours before the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Eddie and the Cruisers. Yeah. It, uh, it, Michael Parr? Uh, yeah, Michael Parr, eh? Parr, yes. Yeah. Oh my it's, God. A it's a great... It's a great movie. Uh, Kirk Douglas in his sort of the back end, but still sort of in his prime in the eighty in the early in nineteen eighty. Really good movie. Goes back and they sort of stop Pearl Harbor from happening. Uh, very cool. Very cool. The USS Nimitz goes back in time oh, through wow. a through a time vortex. And so they're actually what, they're, in the air while the, when the Japanese yeah, arrive. So they're there. They're they're watching the uh, all the bombers go over oh and the, my God. the zeros fly over. It's it's really cool. Oh yeah. My God. Okay, G Man. Sorry, I'm just still thinking about Jane Seymour. You guys keep talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, good Dr. Quinn. Dan's going to go have a dick. Uh, G-Man, All right. sleeper. My sleeper. I've got three words for you. Here we go. Sakura, Sakura. <laughs> now, that's the octagon. I know, I know that Sloan will agree with me. He loves this. The Octagon, Chuck Norris in 1980 with Lee Van Cleef. Oh, oh yeah. Lee Van Cleef. He, he had a good evil face too. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Jack he, Nicholson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. That's that. No, 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 no. That's, that's, Lee, Van that's Lee Van Queef. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was right. kind of confused. Right, that's no. obvious. Yeah. He was in. He was in Flesh Gordon. Yeah. Oh my ass! <laughs> yeah, cracker, cracker of a movie. A martial artist must defend a plan by ninjas to create a worldwide training camp for terrorists. Oh, yeah. It's just Chuck at his best. He cleans house against his long lost. Japanese brother. Yeah, well, we've all got a Japanese brother somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, cracker of a movie. Croaksy, sleeper? No, look, I, I think I probably gave my little early. Yeah, uh, you did. That's okay. Did, but it's, uh, That's okay. Somewhere in somewhere time. In time. It up, you, it'll put a tear in your thigh. I like it. <laughs> right. I like it. Uh, Damo? I've gone for the Aussie uh, The Club. Oh, mate, oh, what a great movie. Yeah. 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 What a great with, movie. Uh, yeah, Jack yeah, Thompson. Uh, Graham Kennedy. Graham, David yeah. Williamson? Yeah, yeah, based on the, the play. play right? yeah. So, yeah, I've seen the play as well. The play's yeah. very good. It's a funny movie. Mate, I, w I, I watched it about two months ago. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was just on, it was on, maybe on Foxtel. Yeah. I just caught it at the very start and it's so funny. It's he's, he's up his, <laughs> he's up his mum and his legless sister. Oh, and with mate, old Jock. Oh my, Jock's the best. What <laughs> yeah, a dickhead. I know. I know. What a dickhead. Yeah. Were, were you a Don's party guy? Oh, that was that sort of, <laughs> Alvin Purple. Yeah, yeah. Is that Elk? Is that Elk? That's Elk. Yeah. Dan, what do you got for Sleeper? Uh, I, I don't know if Gow touched on it earlier, but it was 1980, of course, the year that we first got to see fame prior to the TV series, which we all love. The, oh, uh, the, the, the film came out. Irene Cara is Coco. I mean, she she touched our hearts. Uh, G. Anthony Ray is Leroy. And tell me what you see. You ain't seen the best of me yet. 
Give me love, I'll make you forget the rest. I think you guys like it even more than me. That's awesome. Yeah. So. No, we always love Leroy's pants. Leroy's pants. Oh, so where those pants yeah. over those tracky dacks? Leroy's was, pants have got a big run on this show. They, have, yeah. they get mentioned a lot. Yeah. Gow swears that I've run Leroy's pants with leg warmers in our lifetime, and it is absolute bullshit. But there was a time in the 80s <laughs> right. where I would have done it if it was an option. Nah, so. I, I know I did do it once. At the heart of your musical, <laughs> at the heart of your musical fad morgues, you ran them. There was them. no leg warmers. That's absolute bullshit. But yes, yeah. love fame. And the I only reason actually no, got to give it a revisit. I think, I think the, actually the in. When he when he was just rehearsing, he wore them over the top of the phantom suit. As well. <laughs> what, no, well the problem the problem is is that the leg warmers kept falling off his calves. They were just falling down. He kept tripping over them. Messy he car. went to Target Kids, bought a kid's skivvy, cut the arms off, used them as leg warmers. Me and, me and Chris Latham. Me and Chris Latham. You yeah. used to hate it when Chris Latham's socks used to fall down at the back for the Reds and oh. for the Wallabies. <laughs> and I, I sympathised with him because I could not keep socks up on my calves either. So, yeah. okay, nineteen eighty. Dud, I have Raise the Titanic. Ooh. Jason Robards, Ann Archer. Robards. Yes. I yeah. quite like no, Jason a mate of ours. Robards. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a, a, pretty much a, a corporation is trying to raise the Titanic. It is shocking. I actually down, well, downloaded this about uh, three months ago and tried to watch it, got about 40 minutes through it, fell asleep, woke up with about 30 minutes to go and turned it off. It's not good. Do not watch. Move on. Mm. Croaks, what do you got for Dud? I went and saw Raise the Titanic at the movies, at the oh, Fiesta geez. Cinema, oh, there we at go. Raymond Terrace outside of Newcastle. <laughs> wow. wow. And I remember all that detail because it was fucking terrible. It's bad. <laughs> uh, for me, the, uh, the shit one, I'm, I'm sure I've got my year right. Tell me if, if not. The gods must be crazy. You do yeah. have the right. It was the... Um, <laughs> That's it? Yeah. With the Coke bottle. Yeah. And the other reason, it yes. became a massive It became a massive huge. I fucking hate it. I met the movies too to well, see it. I heard all the reviews as a kid. Yeah, oh, they're saying it's the greatest comedy of all yeah. time. I sat there with a bunch of friends. I had a friend of mine called Willow. Willow, if you're listening, you'll know what happened in the cinema. Uh, <laughs> he was too down for me. <laughs> I'm not going into detail. But the only memory I have is of what he got up to in two seats down from me. Uh, and that movie came on and we were sitting there thinking... You, there is nothing funny about no, it. What, no. What is this garbage? It was yeah. no, mate, it was no weekend at Bernie's, no, which well, is obviously the greatest comedy of all time. That was funny. But no, my mum and dad, yeah, took us to go and see it. And like, and I was like, this is crap. You but remember that sound? What was that sound about? What's that about? I that's how re- they talk. Oh, that's that's their language. Oh, so there was no yeah. clicking sound. Clicks and pops. Oh, no, wow. it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the actual. I've been out with the a couple guys. Warriors or whatever they I've been out with a couple guys that have been to the bathroom and come back and spoken in clicks and pops. Yep. Mm. Dan, what do you got for Dud? I have for Dud, uh, we definitely touched on it. It is relevant because of the actors in this film, one of which was a star in Popeye, which mm. Robert Altman, what the fuck were you thinking? I mean, this this was an absolute travesty of a film. Robin Williams with uh, all the prosthetics on, just, just an awful, awful movie and uh, lambasted by anyone with any taste in film. And, uh, yeah, unfortunate that it was a waste of a great director. And Robert Williams, obviously, one of our favourite actors subsequently in, in a lot of other projects uh, a little closer to the, the 90s. But, um, yeah, horrible, horrible, horrible film. Yep, I can't, can't disagree there. G-Man, dud. I'm going with Herbie Goes Bananas. You, you <laughs> use oh, this you, move. You use you it. No, 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 but you've, got, you've got a real fucking thing with Herbie, don't you? Yeah, really, yeah. yeah I they're like it. Good. I like your hate. They're not good. Yeah, feel the hate. 
The adorable little VW helped its owners break up a counterfeiting counterfeiting ring in Mexico. Well, yeah, and then what's wrong with that? Was Don Knotts in that? <laughs> Probably. Uh, Cloris yeah. Leachman was in this one. Oh, oh. and uh, Charles Martin Smith. Oh, oh he went on a huge yeah, thing. Good old Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you guys watch trailers for new movies, like for twenty twenty four films and stuff on YouTube? Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. Have Have you seen one with Jason Statham called The Beekeeper? Yes, I have seen it. Oh my god! Like, yeah, it, the ridiculous quotient has been turned up beyond twelve oh. out of ten. I yes. just, I don't know what I thought. Oh, that just ridiculous premise, obviously, with with uh, a V dub solving crimes. But Jason Statham also solving crimes is a ridiculous premise. But do yourself a favor, go onto YouTube and type in the Big Keeper movie, and wowzers. it is fucking Looney Tunes, and uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait to see it. Gal, you're you already on it. it. I'm already yeah. on it, Lord. <laughs> um, Mini Driver's in it as well. Well, yes. she hasn't done anything since Goodwill Hunting. No. Circle of Friends. Anyway. Okay, well done. That's it, Sleeper Dud, for tonight. I'm missing one, though. Haven't you done? No. What, one what? dud. Quick one. Go. Fuck. Well, if you, on if, your you, if you actually included me in the duds, I would have said it then. Okay. So now Damo. I say as an extra. Damo, what's your dud? Because <laughs> I watched this last week. Xanadu. Man, oh, I can't believe how yeah. shit it was. Yeah, it's Come terrible. On. Do you oh. know that she is... I didn't get it. She was the daughter of Zeus. She was a muse. Came yeah. down with her eight or nine sisters to yeah. inspire people. It was such crap. That last sequence on the roller skates. Oh, those roller skates. It was roller Look skate overload. It is. Yeah. There's a lot of inclusion in that last performance of Xanadu. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every <laughs> colour, every shape and size. And I've got to say, I think uh, Jeff Lynn's Score is it? Jeff Lynn's amazing. It was (laughs) was such a terrible and and, and, and it's got Swan from the Warriors as the main guy. Wasn't this um, this one of Perps' (laughs) favourite? Wasn't this one of Perps' favourite? No, she went like Grease 2. Grease 2. What was was the name of the male lead though? What was Swan? Swan from the Warriors. Yes, Michael Beck's his name. Mate, that's it, Michael Beck. Excellent hair. Yes, yes, he is you. He's and, got great um, hair. He he said the Warriors opened a lot of doors for him, and Xanadu closed the door. <laughs> That's, <great. laughs> That's a great quote. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well done. Okay, so Damo, can we go to question time now? Yeah, sure. Okay, question time. What are your thoughts on spending five months alone at the Overlook? Would you take the job? Yeah, I'd love it. I'd That'd take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Even with even with what, well, I guess you don't know, but five months alone with your wife and child, Croxy? I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Uh, I worked in China for a little while and spent six weeks alone in a hotel room, and uh, I didn't mind being alone. I think if you bring wife and kids into it, uh, <laughs> we're all asking for trouble. <laughs> well, it's isn't, it's just it's it's um. It's COVID all over again. Yeah. It's a pretty bloody big place, though. There's a lot of space. There's a lot of room. A lot of space. A lot of place. That, there was plenty of food. Lots Crux of food. Yeah, wow, they smashed it up. I've heard a lot about female actors going to Japan under the guise of being an <laughs> entertainer in a nightclub. <laughs> right. And uh, the tasks that they're asked to yes. perform aren't quite the cabaret singing that they thought they would yes. do. Were you a Chinese geisha when you went to <laughs> China? <laughs> Well, I was uh, what was termed in the industry as an LBAD, so it's a, uh, a look-back actor-slash-dancer. Uh, it was no touching, no touching, just look and I'll look back at you. Oh. And, uh, 
I'm only there to keep you company, not to keep you satisfied. <laughs> it was the best of times and the worst of times. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Which, which part of China, Craigsy? Which part of China? I was in a little uh, part of town called Zhuhai. And uh, yeah, mm. life, life was tough there. It was tough. Uh, yeah. I had a little bit of uh, cabin fever myself in the, uh, the hotel room there. It was, uh, it was odd. Uh, I had uh, the only way I could communicate was through a guy that was my translator, who I'd get access to three or four times a week. And Jeez. outside of that, you kind of yeah. had. To I, I think it, it, it oh, would that's actually hardcore. Yeah, mm. get drained. And uh, well, even uh, we know from the uh, the Simpsons that Homer couldn't handle it either. No, because they they basically when um, uh, Monty Burns left, he said, "Let's take all the beer and remove the cable." And yes. that was like Homer was like he just all work and no play <laughs> makes Homer something something. <laughs> so Homer, Go crazy! <laughs> don't mind if I do. <laughs> so it was the no beer and the and the uh, the no cable killed it for Homer. Yeah. So no yeah, if it, yeah, I, th- I think it probably would get to you. Yeah, I think it would. Okay. Would you sign up for that job? Well, it'd, it'd have to be some money. If you it? if you're a writer and you're a legitimate mm. writer, be like this is perfect. Mm. For his circumstance, it was perfect. As the as the only writer go. on the team. Oh, oh no, hang on, hang on, hang on. I would, I would actually enjoy the solace, yeah, and I would find a way to lock the wife and the child in the storage cupboard that Jack uh, magically is able to escape from later in the film, but I would put two locks on there so the spirits could not unlock them, and I think it would be wonderful if that was the case. It wouldn't matter to you because you don't eat. <laughs> so, that's fine but get, I'll just touch on there so as you said so Morgs is a writer and uh, Croaks is a writer now just quickly you wrote a story for, for, for Dale Buggins how many how many versions did you write I over two years wrote about eight drafts of a screenplay to tell the life story of Dale Buggins for those that don't know Dale was a our first daredevil yeah, evil and he was like an evil Knievel. He was, yeah, he was Aussie Adam, evil Knievel, yeah. That's right. And um, mm. I saw him at Newcastle at the, the Speedway as a young kid. And I had this memory of him going past with a big cape, riding a bike, jumping over buses. Uh, tragically took his life at, in his early 20s. And it's a, a story that's just been lost to time. But uh, I spent about two years. I did a lot of writing in China when I was in that hotel room. I actually ah. got my first draft finished in that space. Uh, sent it off. And uh, I've heard nothing since. Oh. <laughs> so, I think there was the life I had before the screenplay that was going to open some doors, and then after I sent it out, uh, they all shut. They shut yeah, because yeah. I'm working on my own screenplay here, and we brought it up a few times. It's 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 a new storm boy, but using ibises. Love it. What's <laughs> it called? Bin chicken. Oh, I haven't really worked. Bin chicken boy. <laughs> Bin chicken boy. Still in works. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's going to be huge. It's going to oh, be huge. huge. I sympathise yeah. with that, Craigsy. I also have. A, Many projects in pre 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 production, <laughs> nice, and nice. Uh, also understand that writing is rewriting. Unfortunately, it's not yes. what lands on the page in that first finger tap. It's uh, multiple multiple revisions. So yeah, I mean to do that in China, that's really interesting, Dale Buggins. I do remember that from my yeah. childhood. Him, being there is the a story there Evil to be Canadian. told some mm. sometime, and who will do that? I, I don't mm. know. It may not be me. Mm. Sounds like it won't be. It's pretty, yeah. not, pretty likely it won't yeah. be. I'll cast you in my, who uh, would you, my yeah, yeah, who did you have in mind? Show. So when, when you were playing the movie in your head, who were your actors portraying the, uh, oh, look, the I, main, I never, main parts? I never really got that, uh, that far into it. I always imagined Sam Neill as the father. Okay. I, I thought Sam Neill would be great as the dad that was, uh, in some respects, looking to live his dreams through his son a little bit um, with a little bit of research that I could do. Um, but I, yeah, I, I didn't really oh, get be that Alec, deep. Alex Paps. Alex oh. Paps. You know, he had a Scott Bayo thing about him, <laughs> yeah, don't you think? He did. Totally. Oh, he, did. He, did. he did. Alex Paps me. Oh. Okay. All right. Fuck. 
Wow. Okay, so is the hotel only haunted in the winter? Mm. <laughs> because everyone seems to be quite happy cruising around. Yeah. No one's having a problem. It's all see you later, Mr. Ullman, uh, you know. And then as soon as everyone leaves, the ghosts are like, eh, we're out now. Now, that's a good question. Yeah. Mm. Is it? Daniel, any thoughts on this one? Well, I would also say that if Gail and I on our travels, we obviously uh, <laughs> we, we live for some time in Canada at, at ski resorts. And I would say that looking up on that left face that is behind the hotel would make some pretty magical skiing. And the fact that that place closed in winter, despite the bullshit about clearing roads. I mean, Gail and I could have got out with our shovels and had that 25 miles done in, what, a day, Gail? Wow. Easily. Easily. Wow. So I call bullshit on the whole. It would even be closed for the winter thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I can't even remember the question. So do you? Yeah. Well, no, the ghosts. The ghosts only come out at winter, probably because the, the the people in summer it's full. They're scared of them. I don't know. So then, is the place closed because of what happened in the past at wind winter, or is it? No, it's up in. To me, it's up in the mountains, and they can't. There's no access to no, it in winter. They, they, they can't they, get there unless they're yeah, in the yeah. in okay. the snow cats. Right, right. So that's the reason. And they they brought that up specifically to say yeah. why it's yeah. empty. That's okay, closing yep. down. Yep. Right. The sidewinder can't be opened. We're okay. going to leave tons of food for you. Did anyone notice yeah. the amount of luggage that the Torrances brought? That was in my bad. Everyone is carrying one suitcase who have been there for the seven months of the year. They have got 26 pieces of luggage. What the fuck are they doing? How, how, well, how do they fit it into their Herbie VW? Yeah. It's Herbie, I'm telling you. Man, I'm t- it is no magic. Oh, you're anti-Herbie. And they weren't, there was no suitcases of shit on There's the roof. There's no way that no. was all fitting in Herbie. That's a very good call, girl. Unless it was the fucking TARDIS, it wasn't getting in there. Do you know what it is? If you you might you would have seen this, I think, Daniel. I don't know if uh, Croxy, if uh, curb your enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the girl with the big vagina, <laughs> big vagina. <laughs> yes. Maybe Wendy had a big vagina. She held all the luggage in the vagina. So anyway, it was she was calling the uh, small penis, but it's not. You got a big vagina. So anyway, uh, Larry David, you're the man. Okay, so is is Jack a cock? Or does he just start to go insane very early? Because he's pretty much a cock before it snows. G-Man. Well, in the book, he's a recovering alcoholic. Yep. Right. And coming back coming back to do his writing. That doesn't get really crossed in the movie. So at the start, he's just a sort of a bit of an oddball guy. And then the whole story about how he's not close to his family because the incident has happened with Danny three years ago. When he was drunk. When he was drunk. Yep. So there's that. And, and I sort of got that feeling that there was a, a little, a fair bit of room between them all. Like he he was estranged from them a little bit, but you just I just thought it was because he's an oddball character. But the movie didn't really explain that too much. He didn't really get that backstory. But so to me, in the movie, he just sort of started to turn. Like he started writing one day, and then he just flipped out. Like I know it's a month in, but he just flipped out at his wife for yeah. interrupting him. Okay, so Croxy, what's the question you're asking? Is he is he is he a cock or does the Hotel turning. No, I, don't, that, I think that's where a lot of people bumped into it, you know, and I did too for a long time, that he seems a little crazy from the get-go. But I think, I think that's deliberate. I think when you're dealing with the calibre of a Nicholson and a Kubrick, they're, they're making choices for the right reasons. Uh, I talked about choices before with a look back, for example. You don't do that. You don't do that just lightly. <laughs> nearly, nearly. You no. make a choice. No. Uh, you, you don't get a look-up actor for that. You get a look-back actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's right. Croxy couldn't have worn the bear suit. No, no, no. My ass would have popped out. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, but I think I think what's happened is uh, he's already on the edge. I don't know. King bumped into that too. That this is not the character that I created. It was a descent into madness. Yes, you're playing him on the edge right from the get go. I don't. As I've watched the film again and again, I've come to like the idea that he is already on the edge. So the the idea of the descent is uh, is easier to take, and particularly when you look at it with the idea that maybe there are no ghosts, which is a whole other. That's a whole other. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Well, see, that was the thing because um, Stephen King wanted someone like a John Voight because mm. he wanted that character to be someone straight that descends in, whereas Kubrick took that decision to go, no, this guy's already on the edge, and. That's Jack Dixon plays that to a T. And I think if you go if you look into the history, what Kubrick did was he inverted King's book, right? So yep. there's even that great shot uh, where uh, Halloran's coming back to the Overlook, and there's the crushed red beetle yes! in the car. Yeah. Now, yeah. It's been I, an I, how, what? Well, that's a statement to, to to King because in the book, it's a red V dub that's driving to the Overlook with Jack and the family. That's right. Right. Oh, so Kubrick says, no, no, it's yellow. And I'm going to show you what I'll do with the red bug because I'm uh, crushing it. Gotcha. And it's, it's almost like an indicator back thinking, to King to say, what is this about? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's why a is this Volkswagen it, under this truck? It's, it's a, a little Easter egg for him, it's right? It's an Easter yeah. egg because King wow. and Kubrick did have discussions pre-production. Yeah. And Kubrick wanted to know what King's thoughts were about faith and the existence of God. And they, they did talk. Uh, and then King felt relatively comfortable. This guy's got it. And then obviously Kubrick's gone away and thought, no, no, I'm not making that book. In fact, I'm going to flip it, mm. even to the extent where I'm going to put a red beetle crushed under the weight of, 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 of a truck. Yeah. Uh, there's these little statements that he's making. So I think that's a very deliberate choice for Jack. Do you, and I agree, Craig. It's definitely not written on the page. I think that it, the way that Nicholson comes to the character, that like he's there's something wrong with the world today and he, I don't know what it is. And it, something's wrong with our eyes. Uh, and we're seeing things in a Stop different singing, way. Stop singing living on the edge, you wanker. God, God knows it Stop singing living it's on the edge. No surprise. You're living on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> you help yourself from falling. Fucking hell. Fucking <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Boom, Wasn't that off the album? Boom, crank? Boom. Was it or pump? No, pump's the one before it. It's oh. actually uh, get a grip. Right, get a grip. Get crank a grip. was a Hoodoo Gurus rich. album. Crank was a Hoodoo Gurus. Yes. Yep. Okay, I saw the Hoodoos recently, Craxy. They were excellent. How was it? Yeah, really yeah, good. Really that, good. You know, I, great band. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to the States in December, and um, the day that I get there, Aerosmith are playing it in oh. uh, LA. You've got to go. And see. I looked Aerosmith. them up. They've had five hundred dollars tickets, and this is behind the stage. Seen them twice. I hope they don't go Bon Jovi on you. Yes. No, 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 Stephen Steven Tyler's voice is still, yeah. still killing it. Okay, but I'm, I'm passed. But I have bought tickets to go and see Depeche Mode. Oh, that, see, that'd be awesome. Yeah, they brought out Did, the fifteenth studio. Damo, yeah, what are you doing in the states? Is it just a is it just a Demo family? No, you know, the girls the girls are dancing at. Um, I was going to say, but Again, yeah, shouldn't yeah. you? This I time think, it's Disneyland. Yeah. Are you looking at potential agents for your dancing? Oh, I'll, I'll be doing. So, I'll be doing also Born to Watch Con over there in LA. I hope so. It'll be huge. Yeah, I'll be rooting so. every single fan. <laughs> that's what Morgan did. That's what that's what we're supposed to do. I'm just following oh, you in Morgan's footsteps. You got it. You okay, got last it. last question. Yeah, last right. question. We could probably save this one towards the end. And in fact, we're going to save this for film school for fuckwits. But I'm effectively going to ask, what the fuck happened in this movie? <laughs> and what does the ending mean? So we're going to get to that one. We're going to give you time to think about it. We're going to touch that on that in film school for F-Wits later on. Yeah, good call. 
Okay, so lighter note, here we go. Born to watch only fans. Now we've reached out to the to the fan base and they've come with the thunder. So we got one here from the perp about the karate kid episode. Worst open mouth kiss ever. I had a boyfriend who modeled himself on that kissing. Wow. Still scarred. Ralph Macchio was my heartthrob and why? Those skinny arms and geeky walk. Now, that's why she had a thing for you, Dan. Mm, yeah. ah. That's not me. <laughs> yeah. I've got that's you why there, she had a thing. I've got yeah. far less muscle definition. <laughs> now, I got a phone call today from a great fan of ours. He has been on the podcast before. Let's see if you get it, Dan. The show's credibility has to be called into question. <laughs> That's a good start. Now, this is in regards to the Behind Enemy Lines episode where someone oh, God, muttered... Thank you, it wasn't me. Yeah, oh. someone uttered the words, I thought I had seen it, but realised I hadn't. Oh, that has to be Mr. S. Nixon for sure. <laughs> yes, and he, and he says, I'm only eight minutes in and I just had to call. He needs to be removed from the show. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair call. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. I can't disagree. So, uh, and what is, what is excellent about this is we actually, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago that we're not really sure how many people listen to the show or who they are. So this is why we're doing this, so people can reach out to us. A few weeks ago, we, we talked about old uh, Thunderlips Bitesa from back uh, in the hood of Narrabeen. Eric. Old Ecker. And, uh, mate, he reached out. And, Morg, you don't like this because you like the lickouts and then you'll probably pretend you don't like the lickouts. But here we go. This was from Thunderlips this afternoon. As soon as Morg said, pig face lickouts, I knew who he was talking about. <laughs> Oh, I haven't seen the movie for a while, but it has stayed with me for 40 years. Amazing description. Loved it. <laughs> now, now Croxy, last week for Karate Kid, uh, Morg's named the guy that is like, get him a body bag in the background that is just there to lick out Johnny Lawrence, the guy in the... Co- and he called him Pig Face Lickouts because he's got a bit of a piggy face. And so, look, it was quite humorous at the time. I laughed for about five minutes. <laughs> Uh, he also said that. I see, um, it. I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I also can't believe Jessica Alba and Salma Hayek didn't make the list for non-aging. Dan. Oh, excellent, Eka. Great call, mate. This here is is uh, this is up for debate. Salma Hayek, especially. That's a massive miss yeah. by me. Yeah, that's great a huge miss, Dan. You were shit. Yeah. Shit at your job. Uh, and stop talking about Chroma High as the baddest school on the northern beaches. <laughs> When you all know you were shit scared of Narrabeen High, you couldn't beat us at anything. I'll tell you what we couldn't do, Eric. I'll tell you one thing we couldn't do. We couldn't wear glad wrap around our cock, right? That's what we couldn't do. Our school allowed us to bring condoms to school. Our school allowed us to wear glad wrap on our sandwiches because we wouldn't use it as, as prophylactics. That's a Narrabeen High thing. Okay, mate? So stay in your lane. Some real strong points raised here. Put your Cooter Lines jumper on and stay in your lane. Excellent work, Eka. Great work, mate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, are, we, are, we, you know, are we encouraging people to give feedback? Keep bringing it. Right, okay. Keep bringing and it. Yeah. We're, 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 we are, we're asking for a dialogue here. Okay. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And well, we'll start with our guest, I think, uh, for the good. I love how the, the Overlook itself is a 
is a performer in this film. Yeah, it's, it's a character. It's Definitely. a character. That's what I'm after. It's a, and I think it's the first film where Kubrick's using liminal space. This idea of you know misdirection. Uh, there's lots of stuff online about how when you look at the map of the building, uh, doesn't that, work. It doesn't work. And yeah. I think that's all deliberate. I don't think any of it's by chance. And that movie stayed with me more for the fact of the way that it's shot. I think it, the cinematography is superb, and I think the real star of the film is the space. Wow. Yeah. It, it does. It's a big room. <laughs> it's like he's an, an unreliable narrator, but a, he's an unreliable director. Like, it it's definitely leads us down so many paths, and just the, the, as the use of space for the whole Overlook Hotel and the, the general manager's office that has no right to have a window backing on That's right. from yeah. how he set up that space. It's just And the way that Danny rides his little bike, tricycle around, and uh, it, it takes different loops around the same place uh, many times. It ends up on the second floor and looking down. And yeah, it's, it's incredible, the choices that he made and, and why he would do that. And Whitey or I were talking off air about it, Krugsy. And... It's, it's like he was playing the long game with us because in 1980, there was no interwebs. There was very little VHS. Um, you weren't watching these films 30, 40, 50 times to be able to pick up on all these changes. So the subtlety of, of what he's placed and the choices he's made in painting a lot of this mise-en-scene has been, uh, has been <laughs> quite incredible. Yeah. I think oh, it's, also, it's French. I it's beret. <laughs> I also understand that what he was doing, there's, there's these little things, right? When you look at the pattern and the route that uh, Danny follows when he's on the, the big wheel, yeah, the left turn, the right turn, the left turn, the left turn, the right turn, he follows that same pattern of turns when he's in the maze in the final act. Yes, oh, no way. Yes. So even fuck, down yeah. to that level of detail, Kubrick's got this, this rhythm that pulses through the film in wow. the way the space is used by the cast. And that attention to deep, that's not by chance. Yeah. No. That's mapped out. Yeah. Uh, and I just love all of that. It's like a, the film's like an enigma. You know, it, it just keeps revealing layers to you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, G Man, what do you got for good? Stuart Allman's hair. Did we talk about it earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Who's the, the manager or the boss? The manager. Yeah. He's the boss. The, yeah. He's the boss guy. His hair is awesome. Yeah. It's got luscious. some real it's whiffy. Oh, yeah. it's whiffy. Nesty. It's great. He yeah. looks like he could have been in the Rockford Files the week before. Oh, <laughs> yeah. a, yes, 100%. What was yeah. the theme song to that? Do you remember? What's his name? James Garner. James Rockford was played by James Garner. Jim Rockford, James Garner. James Garner. Handsome man. He was a handsome man. Apart from that, I loved the. The deep instrumental music in the opening when they're driving up the mm. road. That just it's a beautiful, nice, you know, scenic highway. Reminds me of the Okanagan Morgues. Uh, Stop. Up on Coquihalla Expressway. Back when just two bad boys from Stop. the northern beaches oh, were out. That's uh, it. I remember. Just, yeah. you know, having to flee the country and, and go overseas. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, on the lamb. Uh, on the lamb. On the lamb. Um, but look, that to me. Because it's so it's so nice and it's this scenic, you know, start to the movie with that with that aerial view and then that, that music is already it's just like you said, it's just he's already got the tone there that it's starting to creep into you. Like there's a sense of foreboding well, coming the, along. As Croak said that the uh, overlook's a character, the music's a character. Yeah. The music is the number one setting of all the tension of this film. Yeah. I, I watch this with my <laughs> This could be in bad, but I watched this with my nine-year-old daughter just, is, just this week. That is bad. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite ugly, but it's bad. And she and, she, and I said, okay, well, you won't understand it, but we're going to watch it. 
She said, and I, because I, in mine, I've got the soundtrack. Sorry, Gab, but it's pointing here that Belle said that she didn't like the music. It was Whoa. the music that got to her. Yeah, the rest okay. of the movie, she was fine. It was the music, and I went, "Wow!" And that's and that's where it's like it's it's done it. She's also said, <laughs> "That's in Wait, bad. This is my bad. This is my bad. This is my bad." Okay. You boys are going to appreciate it, but but. It's the the music's a character, yes, and it sets all the tension of the film. Yep, yep, it's incredible. There's a review that says that Kubrick with The Shining has made a movie that hurts people. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, that's exactly what he's done, and he doesn't care if he hurts you, yeah. and he does it with the soundtrack. Yeah, uh, and I love that shot, that aerial shot, right? And it then sticks to the idea of the steady cam shots Fuck. through the hotel. That there's this thing following. Yes, that yep. once you enter this world there's this thing that's kind of following you. So you don't know if it's the POV of some kind of force. Yes, yeah. yeah. But uh, he establishes that right in the opening. And there's even a little sort of Indian chanting going on mm. in that opening track. Subtle. But yeah. there's these little hints. Right from the opening credits, he's foreshadowing. Absolutely. Genius. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else, G? No, that was it. Okay. Uh, Dan, what do you got up there on the land for good? For good, we touched on it earlier, but Danny Lloyd, I think as a child actor, he was incredible. And big for I really want to throw this to Krugsy. Krugsy, if you've listened to any previous episodes, I fucking hate Australian child actors. <laughs> I think they are absolutely the worst in the world. There's a couple of minor exceptions, but as, as a performer yourself, have you encountered Aussie child actors that have gone on to bigger and better things or were they just fucking terrible in your productions as well? Look, let me just tell you that working as a professional actor is an art form and uh, you've got to make choices. Uh, part of the challenge for a child actor is there's not a lot of life there from which to draw the power of choice making. Yes. Now, of course, when you're talking with an actor of my ilk, uh, I've got a long history of choices. Uh, if we've got time, I'd like to talk more about it. It's a whole other podcast, I think. It's a whole other podcast. Can I just ask you, uh, who's the worst, best child actor in Australian film television history? Well, we, we've talked uh, a lot about, uh, I mean, not track, Australians, yeah. but the the, right. guy, the kid that plays a young Frank Dukes in oh, he's the worst of all time. is our favourite worst child actor of all time. So if you haven't seen that recently, do check it out. But, I mean, the guy that played fucking Pugwall, he was a, he was a dick. <laughs> Nobody tells me what to do. And no, no, not me. <laughs> all of the child actors in Secret Valley, they were fucking shit. Secret Valley, jeez. Yeah. I mean, this is this is afternoon after school, ABC yeah. TV, what we were forced to watch. Yeah, they were, they were crap. Um, what about that kid in Skippy? What was his name? Sonny, Sonny Hammond. Sonny there we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was fantastic. Sonny, actually, Sonny wasn't too bad. And I did, look, there are a few exceptions to the rule, but overall... <laughs> hang on a minute, hang on a minute. What about, what about the kids in... The Lost Islands. Oh, that was such a scary show. Great the show. The Lost Islands. That was so scary. What about, just hang on a minute. You're comparing yeah. a guy that act against a kangaroo fucking roo. Yeah. And you go, he's hang not bad. He's yeah, because the kangaroo's shit. Uh, he had Tony Bonnevere. <laughs> Ed, Jerry Fine. Ed, Ed, Ed Devro. <laughs> Ed, was that the dad? He was the dad. And he was Mr. also Hammond. a solo Mayhem. one. Oh, oh solo we talk, I talk about Solo 1 all the time and these guys go, bullshit, you made well, that let, up. Let, let, it's a thing. Song. Paul Cronin, Solo 1. <laughs> yes, Paul Solo Cronin. One. <laughs> Solo 1. Solo 1. 
something to it's something to lick out on your bikes and it's just a solo, solo one. one. Oh, fuck it, Thank you, Crazy. Okay, Dan, you got any more good? No, nah, that's it. Danny Lloyd I thought was excellent. Okay, yeah. Damien. Well, you know me. And I'm caught. And, and you're Michael Caine by the sound of it. You know me. Yeah. I'll start talking loudly. So all are, the music, of course. Yes. Right. So just to uh, use to illuminate a present presence unseen. Oh, so you're going to crap on about motifs. I'm going to no, tune no. out for a while. No, there's no motifs in this one. But the, the growing invisible corrupting influence of the Overlook Hotel. You kept saying it's another character. So, but they use that Mickey Mousing technique. So, an action is followed. Buy a bit of music. So if he touches the table, there's a little bing. He does his little flip outs in the hall. There's little music to coincide with his actions. And all these little, like we pulled a page out of the typewriter, all these little things, they're just these little traces of that unseen corrupting force. They're everywhere. So manipulating the scene from above like a malevolent puppet master, mm. twisting Jack to its own instrument of havoc. So you can't see the strings being pulled, but geez, you can hear them. Mm. So that's why I just think that that music and it's that all those pieces of music. There's the Bartok, the uh, Penderecki, and uh, Herbert Berlioz's uh, music, and they're all symphonies, and they've just cut bits and pieces out of all of them, yeah. and it's all just pre-existing work. The underlining, uh, the underlying groaning, like mm, like it's just. Yeah, it's just so it's frightening, it really is. Well, I tried to listen to Hector Berlioz's Symphony Fantastique, and it's about five parts that are about twenty minutes long, and that opening scene where you just hear that real heavy bass, scary music. It's about three minutes into the final act, and it only goes for a little bit. So they they have just cherry picked yeah. bits of music. Yeah. A classic music and incredible music. Like their screeching sounds like a an animal screaming. Yeah. Like it's scary. They've picked all these scary bits and they've actually put them into each scene. Yeah, it's incredible. It's it's really amazingly done. So yeah, that's for me is the music. Yeah, I think cool. we've I think Croak's touched on it. The the opening shot, the the tracking shot, the helicopter shot is phenomenal. The closing day tracking shot where they're coming down on the yellow beetle with the family in it, incredible. Uh obviously spoke about the the soundtrack. The big wheels. Danny's big wheels. Yeah, how cool Fucking were they? hell. Yeah. Tell me, for five months, you would have been fanging around that oh, joint. Shit, yeah. would, that is a kid's fucking dream world. I'd have a bit more drift in the back wheels, I reckon. Hitting yeah. Mate, you didn't get a lot of drift going, did he? Yeah, no, not, not, not much drift at all. When no. we were kids, we all wanted the green machine. Yes. Yeah, that's right. We, yes. we, we, just, we weren't able to afford a green machine. I remember as a, as a kid, oh, that would be the dream. <laughs> yeah, yes, I know. I know. I know. They yeah. were good. They were, they were we all had a friend that had one. I'm going over to yeah, ride it. Yeah, that's right. Can I, yeah. As a music connection, we're recording this on the what would have been the 83rd birthday of John Lennon, right? Yeah. Yes. You, yeah. And we all, we all know where the title came from, right? The Shining? No. Okay, so th- here's where the title oh, yes, came from. Oh, yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stephen King was inspired by John Lennon's first solo single outing after the Beatles, which was Instant Karma. We all yeah. shine on. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we all and shine on. Yeah. So he he liked this idea of, well, what we all shine. What does that mean? And then so Lennon no became one, the inspiration. Still no one knows. I never knew. This yeah. This is a listen to yeah. this. So, that's, that's, so the, yeah. the Shining. Gal would have had that. Yeah. John Lennon. Oh, did you know that gal? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, first time. Sorry, guys. Great to have you on, mate. Yeah. 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 Well, it's been fun. Uh, <laughs> good night. Okay. My, my last one is... <laughs> My last one is the reveal, the all work and no play. 
No. That is yeah, legitimately is. scary. Because that was that shot you were talking about where the camera is yes. behind the typewriter looking at Shelley Javel's face. And watch carefully. The, the typewriter changes colour twice. Does. It goes yeah, from green to grey. Green to grey. Yeah. And, 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 and it's deliberate. If you look at the, the styles of oh, writing, cool. there's a screenplay format. There's almost like a, a standard yes. story yeah, format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So different, different. Yeah. yeah. So he's writing in different formats. Couple of, couple of typos too. One's a screenplay. One, one's an editorial. Right. One's a, so there's all these little, th- which, which adds another layer to the madness. Yeah. Yeah. What a scene. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bad. Damo, we'll start with you. Bad. Well, Jack actually did no work and he played a lot with his ball and he slept and brooded. I don't think his little story that he wrote was accurate at all. Well, he's pretty he dull. He did just yeah. shit. Um, <laughs> All he did was play. Yeah. It's kind of gout. It, it reminds <laughs> me of our life uh, living in Williams Lake there from it was a Monday lot like to Friday, that. really, yeah. back uh, back on our travels. Yeah, we, we lived at the rugby club. There wasn't a lot to do. There was a lot of chucking a ball at the, uh, at the wall and letting the dog chase it around. Um, you could only <laughs> wank so many times. Like well, it was to, a, off it was a long week. W for a burger look, or Wendy's. But look, and I suppose too, like, and from when I first saw it, it is a slow movie. Yeah, it's slow. Like, it's slow. It's disturbing. Right? It's weird. Yep. It, there's, it's it's all those things. things. Um, so, it, and, and I think this is why, obviously, a lot of people, this is, I think, there's a lot of love for this movie, but I reckon there's probably still a lot of people. Because when this came out in 1980, you got two Razzies, Kubrick and um, Shelley Duvall. And and it was like, what the hell? Like, But they didn't get it because it was so different to all the slasher fests of the 70s and everything. The other thing too, you just flash back to, back in the day, the no seatbelt driving. Danny's standing there. Yeah. They're driving up this whiny mountain road. Yeah. He's standing at the front the back, seat. Yeah. yeah, in the back. You go, holy crap. I, I was watching just, that and I was thinking... Yeah, you've got your seatbelt on, Jack, and the kid's standing in yeah. the back. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But Jack, to and and I didn't go on about it before, but you were talking about how did the did the hotel corrupt Jack, or was he already a dick to start? Whatever. I mean, but Jack, his treatment of Shelley Duvall, I, I, I mean that that obviously the bit when you hear me typing, you know, and she, I, I, I just could not stand him in that scene. If you hear me typing or whatever the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. I, I Very just, good. And and she was like, hey, hey, just chill, you know, calm down. And and the way he spoke to her, I was like, you absolute prick. God, he was a dick there. So he was just a bad tool right there then. But, uh, yeah, that's it for bad. For me. <laughs> okay, Croxy, what do you got? It started bad. It became interesting. If you look at the scene where he go, comes back from the room and tells Wendy, I saw nothing, and she talks about we should leave. And he goes from being sort of caring. It's the most care he shows for her when he's sitting by her side on that bed. And then he quickly turns yes. and he starts the descent into madness when she suggests we should just leave. You And he's yeah. like, you, you want to leave? Yeah. Uh, when he storms out of that room and ab- he verbally abuses her, and I remember bumping into it on, on repeat viewings, but as he leaves the room, he eyeballs the camera. He breaks the fourth wall. He, a few times. But he starts, he starts in that scene. Right. So now I start to think, well, it's Nicholson, it's Kubrick. These guys aren't doing that by accident. No. But he breaks the fourth wall. I remember watching it a few times thinking, oh, that's what's going on? What are you? Because we see that repeatedly then. Yes. We see it in the pantry, little glances. Uh, Then the more I got into it, I realized, oh, that looks like it's a choice. Maybe it's gone from bad to good. At first, I thought it was a little sloppy and maybe something to do with the editing or whatever it might be. But I think there's some meaning in the fact that he's looking at you. 
He's looking at the viewer. He's he's sharing the insanity. So I don't know what that is. There's theories yeah. going around. but uh, uh, That is interesting. I had a yeah. hard time with it. Oh, what's, what's going on there? But I actually think it's, uh, it's an interesting choice that mm. he's making. Mm. Having made interesting choices as a professional actor. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. As an LBA specialist. Dan, what do you got for bad? Pubes. <laughs> Were there pubes in the show? Yeah. Yeah. Big Girl time. the shower. Big time. 70s, oh. 70s pubes. Uh, okay, so right. Dan is now passing this over to me because I watched this with my nine-year-old daughter, uh, father of the year. My wife is away. So uh, we made a choice. A bit like uh, looking back, and uh, we decided we watched The Shining. I thought, oh, well, I can kill two birds with one stone here. I can do my research and rob her of her innocence. Yeah, right, exactly <laughs> right. And I and I warned her. I said, I said, you're not going to understand it. But anyway, we we progressed and we watched it. And here we go. Uh, Jack's going into room two three seven. I'm thinking, shit, should I fast forward this? Mm. I thought, fuck, I'm in. I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. Just roll the dice. So. As he gets closer, he goes, oh, what a room too. Like an amazing room. Like mm. two levels, like split level room. And as he goes up and you can see the silhouette behind and and Isabel is sitting next to him and she goes, and she's got the pillow up on her face because the music is like, it's scary, it's scary as, all, as all, hell, yeah. all hell, right? So she goes, is, is there someone in the bath, Dad? And I go, oh, you'll have to wait and see. And she goes, is there a nude lady in the bath? And I go, because she's probably, girls have seen it at school, so yeah. she sort of knows there's something going on in the bath. So I'm like, oh, you'll have to wait and see. So she pulls the screen, the screen back, stands up and sits there and, and she's like, oh, I don't want to see, I don't want to see naked women. And then she stands up and he sort of goes, oh, dad, I don't want to see a vagina. And I'm like, and so I'm going, okay, bad parenting decision here. And she goes, and anyway, it, it, and there's quite a bit of time elapses. It's like. 40 seconds yeah, that slow. she's walking towards yeah. him. So there's plenty of time to see what's going on there. It's a mess. It's a mess. I thought it was and kind of tidy. It's Well, you might. It's a mess. It was all right. And she goes, Dad, looks like a beard. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I, and I was like, well, we've crossed the line. Yeah. And back, back then, darling, they yeah. all did. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, well, it was a choice. <laughs> Can I tell you, if you go back and have a look at the scene in the bathroom where Danny's meeting Tony in the mirror, talking with Tony in the mirror in the opening act, have another look at that film when the camera moves in. There's a silhouette behind the shower curtain sitting in the bathtub Bullshit. of the Torrance room. Are you serious? Have a look. There's a there's what I'm not suggesting there's a link, but yeah. I do am suggesting it's foreshadowing. Right. Okay. But there's, there's a little bit of a silhouette sitting behind the shower curtain in that opening scene before they even get to the overlook. Right. Just, I just have a little I look. love the way that she did pull that curtain back, though. The way her arm just slowly just grabbed Seductive. it. Just pulled it back. It was spooky. When she yeah. walked out and you saw everything and the vagina and the breast, <laughs> I thought, oh, she's going to reveal how the luggage got up on the Volkswagen. Maybe that's what's... Maybe what's that? Is that what's Just coming? drop out a... Uh, yeah, some cases. Yeah. <laughs> Huge vagina. She. I don't think she did too many other movies. She didn't do. That was her only movie. Was it her Same movie? as the old bird. Only movie. They, they yeah. didn't yeah. want to do one before or after. Yeah. I'll tell Both you what, them, though. Which is really odd. I, I've got to say, a lot of change down the nether region between the young and the old. Oh. <laughs> she certainly. She's the old one. Was certainly just lost so, all the hair. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, uh, who, who are we doing bad? Damo, are you done? Have I done bad? Yeah, I've done bad. You just did bad. Uh, Croxy, yeah, you did it? Yep. G Man. Uh, look, we've been through most of mine here. We had the huge pile of luggage for the VW. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Wendy smoking at the table in the first scene. It's I've got that with with Danny while well, Danny eats breakfast. Got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. just the, the smoke's just curdling away. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. While he's passive. eating, bit of passive with yeah. your breakfast. Fucked. And I was like, what is going on there? Sign of the times. She's, she's breaking. Sure. She's breaking so many rules. Hey, there, she yeah. was smoking in the hotel, just cruising around, yeah. just ashing no, all over the joint. I get that, but but well, he was eating it. breakfast, yeah. and, and she just had this cigarette in the hole. The next but did you see the ashtray? The ashtray was full, full of darries. Just sitting there on your. On your coffee table. Life. The other one we had was, we've been through it. Why didn't he tell her about room 237? But I'm sure we'll dissect that a little later. Yeah. The other one I had was, when when Halloran came back, when the old scat man scat came man. back, how did he get a snow cat? He hired it. He hired it from Tony he, he Burton. Oh, did he he, he hired it, hired it from Tony Burton. He rang ahead. I need to get up there. Yeah. Yep. The bigger question with that is, uh, and I can't remember where I was going, so let's just move on. <laughs> scat man. <laughs> Dan, you got anything for bad, mate? I did bad. I was pubes. Oh, you did bad. Sorry, I'm off I'm off the reservation. Yeah, Me. Pubes. Okay, pubes. pubes. Yeah, That's yeah. right. So uh my bad. Does the acting seem a little off? I thought the scene with Turkle the Barman, I thought Jack's acting there was crazy. Oh, Lloyd. Oh sorry, Lloyd. Sorry, Lloyd. Lloyd. Joe Turkle, Joe Turkle is the guy sorry. that plays him. Yeah, Lloyd. I yeah. Th- thought it was it came across to me as really odd. Like I know he was he's sort of going into the depths of Losing it, but yeah. it just seemed very contrived the way he was talking. I, I didn't, just to me, it hit me wrong. Didn't, didn't really I, I like know, that. The, the conversations were, he was just using. He was just a bit off, he was a bit off kilter. Yeah. I know. It was, it, it was your typical bar small talk though. Like, you can't well, live I with don't him. Know, Lloyd. Yeah, you can't live with him, you can't live without him. And yeah. oh, I, know, I need to know who's buying my drinks. Like, yeah. it was your typical yeah. bar conversation. And I don't know. Maybe it was just, just a real I, cliched combo that you'd have as small talk no, with was. the barman. I like the scene. I think the scene was really good because it it shows his descent. And even the scene, you know, Morgan said it before with the correct correct them. You know, that was yeah. a really really good scene yeah. because that's just starting to hit where he's just lost it completely. But I just found that that first one when he's in the bar, it was just a yeah. bit, bit off to me. Like yeah. was a bit off kilter. Yeah. I wrestled with for the longest time with uh, Bill Watson. He was played by a, a character actor called Barry Denon. Bill Watson's in the opening scenes at the interview. Yes. And he's snarky. Yes. If you, if you have a look at him, he's got... I think there's a scene where Ullman asks, could you go and do this and help... Uh, oh, yeah, the family. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yep, yeah, sure. Yeah. But he, there's oh. this attitude there right yeah. from the start. And I, I had to do a little bit of research because why is this guy playing this... Because I bumped into that. Yeah. What, what, what an interesting choice. He's such a snarky... <laughs> what's this about? I did, did a little bit of research and because I made the point here, he's oddly emotionalist, angry right from the outset. Uh until I understood he's the caretaker handing over ah, for the winter right. shutdown. Yes. And that his family, according to the novel, come from the founding fathers of the hotel. Right. And then when they went through tough times, the hotel changed hands and his family were relegated to caretaker duties. Right. They were no longer in the money, so to speak. So he's like a third, fourth generation uh, family member. So I wondered if um, there's some kind of thing going on with him where he's well aware of what's to come, and and, and maybe what's yeah. ahead. He knows he's the luckiest guy on the planet. He should be so, fucking but, but, happy. But yeah, why be snarky? I don't there? know. But when you yeah. watch, um, yeah, Barry Denon, uh, it's an interesting uh, character, and he's he's the same right through all his scenes. He actually went on to become a voice actor in the, the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series. Oh. I found out, which there I thought was kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah. But uh, you yeah, have a look at Bill Watson. There's something going on there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have a look at. Ullman, if I could just mention this to you, there's a scene where Ullman is out front 
out front of the room that uh, the Torrances are going to be staying in. And he gestures to Danny. He asks how he's doing and he does a little thing with his finger. He does like a Tony thing with his finger. Oh. It's odd. It's small. But he gestures the talking so thing. He, he might have a bit of shining in him. He may do. Yeah. Because there's a deleted scene from the end of the film that never made final cut where Ullman goes back to a hospital and visits Danny and Wendy in hospital to check on them and says, when you recover, you should come back and stay with me and, and get yourself together again. And Fuck he that. also says, we found nothing there. No body. No yeah. bodies. Yeah. And then in the end of the deleted scene for the finale, he throws Danny the ball, the same ball no. that rolls down the hallway. Fuck off. And says, there you go, kid. Then exits. You can see, you can read the screenplay. Wow. Peace. Yeah. So Ullman originally was much more than what Ullman seems to be. So when you go back and look at the film, that's in the final film, the gesture with the finger to Danny. Yeah. So there's something going on the, there. I've got to say, it's interesting because the movie looks like it's been hacked. Mm. He's been hacked to bits. Mm. Like that he's had to make a heap of creative choices to appease someone, which is odd because Kubrick was a, he was a, an island. Mm. He got to do whatever he wants. But it does feel like there's, as I said, it's, it poses a lot more questions than answers them. But... It does feel like it's a little hacked. But he, Kubrick was the one that told everyone to go and cut that last part of the movie out. Yeah, Like right. it was released and it was about a week or two yeah. into it. You can see and, stills. And, and then they said, yeah, get rid of it. I, yeah. I want you... And every projectionist had to actually cut. Yes. Well, here's one for the you. End off. It was done so last minute, unlike Kubrick or maybe pure Kubrick, the actors that appeared in that scene as the hospital staff are in the end credits. They're still in the end oh, credits. Right. But the scene isn't there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So odd. There we go. Okay, now, rule one. Eddie Murphy did a did a bit where if uh, a black family walked into a haunted house and they said, get out, they'd just turn around and get the fuck out. Oh, right? baby, this is beautiful. Yeah. Got a chandelier. Yeah. Lads get out. <laughs> Too bad we can't stand <laughs> yeah, That's it. Now, rule one. No Indian burial grounds. They mention Indian burial grounds. I'm like, thanks, Mr. Ullman, but I'm in my yellow VW Beetle. I'm out of here. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. It's built on it. Who would say that as like some sort of selling point? Yeah, that's not the selling point. That's shut up. That yeah. became a trope, though. I think Poltergeist, Poltergeist did the same, did the same oh, thing. Yeah, they were. It became a trope. Oh, was it, or was it, it was a cemetery. It was a, the, was it? They moved the cemetery. They did. They moved the they cemetery. They moved the cemetery. Right, but, there we go. But they, but, but they didn't actually They didn't move, move the bodies. They didn't oh, move the bodies. Go. That's yeah. what it was. They moved the headstones. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, ugly. Anyone got anything for ugly? I do, but we'll get. I think we'll cover it in later on, and it's something Crokes will probably mention too. Is the sexual abuse? Let's cover that evidence. in film school for yeah. F wits. Yeah, uh, G man. Look, my ugly was going to be, uh, and we sort of touched on it earlier, was Stanley Kubrick himself and the demands mm. he placed on everybody throughout this. Yeah, I mean, we know that Shelley Duvall had nervous exhaustion. Um, he he. Wouldn't talk to her on set. He made everyone said everyone not feel sorry for her. Like she went. It was quite. He, he was. He, he went method on her. Yeah. He went method on everyone. Scatman Crothers was filming this, and he had to do over a hundred takes for one scene. Yeah. And his next movie was one with Clint Eastwood, uh, Bronco <laughs> Billy, and. Clint Eastwood's famous for one doing one take, right? <laughs> so he actually cried after that going, thank God I don't have to do one take of this thing because this guy, other guy made me do so much. And Slim Pickens was supposed to be cast in yes. the role of... <laughs> what in the wild, wild world of sports <laughs> is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> but he was going to be cast in that role as... As uh, Scatman Crothers' role, oh, okay. yeah. and he wouldn't do it because he's like, no. Nah, after he because he worked not, not with Kubrick, he worked with Kubrick before, and he's like, no, nah, not oh, yeah. doing Doctor Strange Love. Did Doctor Strange Doctor Strange Love? That was it. Angelica Houston lived with Jack Nicholson and said that he came home every night and just face down on the bed. Yeah, you know, he was just done. And apparently the script changed Spent. so much that every day Jack Nicholson 
reportedly said, I, I just stopped reading it because I don't think read the, the changes point? because it just changed all the time. The scene where the, where the ball rolls up to Danny, 50 takes. Yeah. You're well, really rolling it, in to listen to this, aren't you? Yeah. It's, well, this is the whole thing. Is, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's Kubrick. He's, he's a, he was a absolute overlord. Saul, Saul Bass, who's the brother yeah. of Seabass. Yeah. The graphic. <laughs> from, uh, meet him at Kiki's uh, ass, yeah. yeah. Kiki's ass, Seabass. Meet him at 2.30. Closely um, related to the singing bass, I think. Which <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. But he, um, he had to do over 300 uh, edits of the poster yeah. just for the movie. And that's yeah. what we were saying earlier on. Like, this is how into it that Kubrick was is doing everything. So the demands on the cast, you know, during production and after after production would have been crazy. Apparently, Kubrick had Jack on a diet of cheese sandwiches. That's why he was grumpy. Yeah, it's just cheese sandwiches for him. Yeah. Designed just to mess with him. The Scatman Crothers 100 plus takes. You know what scene that was? That's the bed scene with the, the poster above the bed. And oh, when he's shining. shining. When he's oh. shining. You would think that's the least amount yeah. he's got he to do. He doesn't need to fucking do anything. That was the scene, 100 plus wow. takes, that almost broke <laughs> Scatman. The one that got me was the he ball, was like lying the ball down. rolling up to Danny. He's on his back. <laughs> yeah. The ball rolling up to Danny, 50 takes for the ball just to roll up to him and then him to get up and go, oh, where did this ball come from? That's it. Well, well, let, me, well let me tell you this. Uh, I've, I've had some experience in this field. Um, <laughs> during the making of the, the feature film for television, Chappelle, um, <laughs> that look back, <laughs> uh, one take. <laughs> what I'm just giving you there is a callback related to my look back earlier in the show. Yeah, nice. Thank I love you. that. You can be all done, Craig. Bronco Billy with I Clint did, Eastwood. I did read, though, that the scene for Scatman Crothers, the reason it took 100 takes is... Because he got an erection in seventy five of those takes, <laughs> looking at the uh, photo the, the on the pictures, wall. Yep. So he, he he had to go wide angle, and he just he, he really wanted to hone in. But like, I can't help it, Stan. <laughs> can't help it. Can't hold it. Okay, uh, anyone else for ugly? No, real good. Okay, let's move on. Dan's quick fire. Yes, let's get into this quick fire. So first up, just to explain, is the lookalike, and it doesn't have to just look like me. So anyone in the film that was a lookalike that any of you noticed and thought that oh. man or woman looks like, insert yeah, name I, here, I've got a couple. have to be me. Go. I've got a couple. Uh, Ullman is you. In oh, a heartbeat. Good hair. Good <laughs> hair. Almond's hair Good is hair. you. Good hair. Good if hair. you if you were in if you were that age in eighty, you are Almond. Yeah. Yeah. You would have been That's the manager right. of the Overlook. You would have been as you know, the shittest hair like he did. <laughs> I'll take that. And one more. If he nodded a bit more, he's so mauled. Scatman's calves. Scatman's yeah. calves he's got your calves. Jeez. We are both uh, calf deficient. Yes, all right. It's, it's going to be difficult to. I got an. I got an almost look alike. I got an almost look yep. alike for you, Morgs. The role of Lloyd the bartender was originally to be played by Harry Dean Stanton. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Mate, he looks a bit like Harry Dean. He's yeah. got the same yeah. sort of yeah. Uh, yeah chiseled chiseled face. So yeah, I, I'm feeling that. Two years later, that guy played Mr. Tyrell in Blade Runner. That's right. Yeah, he did too. He, yeah, he did. He looks a bit like um, Bishop from. Aliens. He does look a little bit like Bishop. Yeah, well, does. you know, Waylon Yutani. There you go. Hello, Bishop. Mm. I've got. Uh, I've got a couple too. So Danny, couple of couple. Of, he looks like the son of Jim Carrey in Liar Liar. That's oh, he does yeah. a bit actually. He does a bit. And that he also looks like had the same yeah. hair for sure. Andy, mm. Family Ties, Brian Bonsall. Brian Bonsall. Yes. Brian yes. Bonsall. What would we do, baby, baby <laughs> without us? <laughs> I I couldn't. Sit, you will sit. I c- <laughs> Good dog. Good dog. The um bear suit guy. Yes. Yeah. 
Wes Mad Max 2. Oh, good. The, <laughs> the, the arsehicks. Excellent. Same. Excellent. Same buns. I can recognise them anywhere. You're the ass man. Let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> Beep. What a boop. Come on, John. Just stick your head out. One shot. That's all I need. <laughs> Come on, John. Go on, John. Come on, John. Just look stick your head out. And across. Yeah. Throw away uh, that chicken shit gun. <laughs> your pissant soldiers are no match for Matrix. Um, Barry Denon, uh, uh, Barry Denon, who played Bill Watson, looks a lot. We talked about him a moment ago. Uh, reminds me of John Cazell. He does. He does. He does. Yep. Yeah. The Godfather. The Godfather. Frodo. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, he does. Married Frodo. to Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, died very young. Died young, but made a bunch of great oh, films. Quality but films. There's a bit of John Cazell going on there. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I hear Excellent. Croxy, you've yeah. got the hang of this, and it's your first go. It doesn't have to just look like me or be shit body parts that I you have. You watch though. You. you watch though. The next time we get Croxy on, he's gonna have a morgue's look out, look alike. Don't worry about that. All, All right, right move let's on. move on. Well done. Uh, the next one is a name change. First up, after the Karate Kid, this uh, segment is now called Wax On, Wax Off for a scene that is passed over into popular culture. This film is littered with them. Yeah. Would you like to have a go at it, Whitey? Uh, okay, uh, Red Rum, mm-hmm. The Twins, Here's Johnny, The Elevators, uh, well, The Movie, The Simpsons, The Shinning. Uh, <laughs> like... It's uh, Ready Player One Here's has Johnny. the has the amazing yeah. the best scene in the movie where they go into the cinema and it's The Shining. Yep. Uh, yep. This whole movie is one hundred percent pop culture. It is the, the the carpet, everything about it, the whole movie. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I don't think we need to uh, to to go any further into that. When, when my nine year old daughter, anymore? the reveal of Red Rum, yeah. and she realised oh, it said murder on the, in the oh, uh, yeah, yeah, on the mirror, yeah. It was pretty good. I think the Kubrick stare, which he's classic for, right? He, he started with it in Clockwork. Um, it could probably goes back a little further. But the Kubrick stare where Jack yes. is looking out at the yes. family while they're in the maze. And oh, I, over the top. And yeah. he's, so, he's so understated. He's so grounded. And the camera just hangs there while he's slowly descending into his madness yeah. at that point. Yeah. I think yeah. that, that's my favourite shot in the whole film. Oh, okay. yeah, it's incredible. Yep. Love it. Yeah. Crokes, you're not, not exactly on topic, but did you get a sense of Wes Anderson stealing a lot of the really centred subject in a lot of the the shots in this one. I just found myself watching, and it might just be with the Steadicam because it was always directly behind someone and they were always centre screen. But whilst tonally nothing alike, I was just like, oh, is this where Wes Anderson rips a bit That's a really really good point. I think think you're Mm. right. I think Wes is big on the whole symmetry in the shot, isn't he? I think Absolutely, yeah. I think you're onto something there, yeah. Mm, How could you not be influenced by him? Yeah, good stuff. No, well, exactly. It makes mm. a lot of sense when you think about it. But, yeah, I couldn't agree with me more. Uh, <laughs> moving on, Philip Stuckey in Pretty Woman, Jason Alexander's excellent portrayal of an utter douchebag in Pretty Woman, which we've actually done on this podcast, Croxy. It was, uh, yeah, one of our low points. Um, but he was a particular large douchebag. And who would take that mantle in this, this particular film? Well, I'd say Jack, because even pre-Overlook, Jack was a dick. Um, I know he's, you know, we don't. I don't normally pick the main baddie or whatever as the as the dick, but I'm picking yeah. him. Okay, anyone going to do anything so else? Ullman's it's, a it's douchebag. Sorry, just. Oh yeah, no, I, I was going to say Ullman as well. But why sorry, why back, is he a douchebag? Well, you go back and watch that scene where he talks about. Uh, look, uh, 
well, he went crazy. This guy he went crazy, <laughs> and he, uh, he hacked up his family into little pieces. And yeah, then, uh, yeah, interesting <laughs> he st- story. He stuck a gun in his mouth and uh, <laughs> blew the back of his head off. Anyway, uh, that's just a funny story. That but he, got, he uh, says it almost like it's so uh, matter of fact. It's so he's got a smirk. Yeah, the gesture to to the to Danny with the finger. I think he's connected to the ball down the hall. I, I don't know if he's the overlord within the overlook. I don't know. But I think he's he's creepy and dark. And if you really watch what's going on with him, uh, the guy's a douche right from yeah. the get-go. Yeah, yeah. yep. Got I think we've, hair, all, we've all made a decision that we're going to stick with regardless of what happens. So I think he's already on holidays and he's he's got this guy that's going to come and do the job for <laughs> yeah. him and is like, I have to tell him legally that there was yeah. a mass murder at this site by the previous uh, taker of, the, of this particular role. But, mate, I'm already on holidays, so just yeah, work with it. You'll be right. There we go. I'll tell you what, Jack but- takes it pretty well, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, no, my wife's going to love that, yeah. She loves the whole yeah, story. Yeah, she loves her. She yeah, loves yeah, true yeah. crime. Like, fucking hell. Yeah, she'll love it. But also, it was not the year before. Like, it was... Ten years. Ten years. Mm. So, has nothing ever... Ha- so, there's it's yeah. been okay for ten years? Yeah. Or they just didn't have anyone doing it for ten years? Like, what's... It's interesting. Good question. I've got... i got my dick is dick. Go. My dick is dick Halloran. He knew. He's shining. He should have stepped in. Him getting in, making all that trip all the way up is guilt. He should have done something at the start. He should have stepped in yeah, and nice said, call. turn around and fuck off. Yeah. Well, would have they believed him? Well, he can, at least then he wouldn't have been a dick. Good point, because he had a chance. He had a chance. To give the kid the word. Danny. Right at the start. Yeah. He had, the, he had a dad's chance. dad's going to snap. But he tells him there's nothing to be scared of. Because nothing's real. It's yes. like a book. Yeah, yeah. A picture in a book. The picture's in a book. Nothing's yeah. real. Yeah, please. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Does a little bit of this get lost from the book? I mean, I haven't read the book, and I don't know if anyone here has, but does a little bit of this interpretation get l- lost from the book? Mm, I think so. Mm. I haven't read it for some years, but yeah. 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 Okay. Well done. Yeah, great. Uh, cast a Caddyshack for an actor or entire cast that tonally aren't quite sure that they're in the same film and tend to go off and freestyle. Uh, I didn't get a... Uh, this is a difficult one because... But Whitey and I, again, speaking about this offline, we were struck by Jack Nicholson's performance in this particular set of viewings as to whether it was any good or not. And obviously seeing it 39 times previously and thinking he was amazing, it was a bit of a a new take for us. But I guess... He was making a lot of choices, as Craigsy's pointed out, that if that weren't written on Kubrick's page, uh, were some of them a little overacting? I don't know. I guess we can discuss this in film school as well. But I I don't know that anyone was off tone. It would be difficult with such a small cast to argue that point unless one of you have a counterpoint. My favourite moments with Jack are, are, are when he's more restrained. I think when he starts the tongue flicking thing, he gets into this yes, thing with the yes. tongue. And he starts that yeah. on the stairwell. Yeah, he does another one in the in the lockup, and I, I've always thought, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know that the whole. He's reaching. He's reaching. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I just think, who who am I to give a note to? I'm exactly. the freaking guy from Chappelle. Yeah, who, can, I, can I tell you a little bit? Anyway, but my, my, my point <laughs> being, I just take croaks. They call him. There's the only times I bumped into Jack where it's, oh, the, the tongue thing yeah. seemed like a, an odd thing to go back to several times. Yeah, uh, but I don't think you can say this because let's say there's 20, 30, 40, 100 oh, takes, yeah. right? He's acted differently in yeah. 50 takes. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, there might be some tongue flicking in five of them and then there'd be non... non it, it's just... And, and then Kubrick, in the end, picks the one that he wants out of a 
shitload a, I, of um, different takes. Yeah. I, I think in saying it, I think they're all the performances are suited to the film because mm. the film is odd. Yes, in general, the feeling it's it's an odd film. So I think that the the performances suit. If it was in something else, then I'm like, yeah, oh. but yeah, but Kubrick has cherry picked his favorite he's, versions he's, he's, of exactly each scene, right. exactly and right. and made the movie. Yep, good um, point. Yeah. There we go. Great call. All right, moving on. Olivia Newton-John's cartwheel at the pep rally in Greece for the worst show of yeah, athletic prowess the in the film. We've already <laughs> talked about <laughs> Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall, sorry. Um, uh, we've talked about... What's her fucking char- character's Wendy name? Torrance. Wendy Torrance. Wendy, Torrance. <laughs> Wendy Torrance. We've already talked about Wendy Torrance in the, uh, in the film and her running style, which is particularly poor. I don't know that anyone else really... No, nah, there's nothing up. else. No, no, but but Wendy's <laughs> Wendy's baseball. Oh, mate, strike swings, one, strike two, strike three, you're out. A yeah. couple of swings, it wouldn't have. She's really been. choking up on that bat. Like I, yeah. when I was back, I was back <laughs> I a thousand. Say, I got to say though, for the Waringa. Yeah, remember when I had that? Season, yeah, I remember when you batted a thousand. Are you talking yeah. back when you're playing t-ball? No, no, no. It was over um baseball when I was did. Okay. When I was, was that? Yeah. Was was that when you were batting a thousand playing baseball, or that summer when you batted a thousand, you wanked every day? <laughs> I mean, both. <laughs> both. That was a good summer, Marge. Oh, the summer of 22. <laughs> the summer of Dan. <laughs> the summer of Kleenex. Anyway, I'll, movie. I'll, I think no, it I've is. Got, I've got one oh, for you. Yeah, G-Man's sorry, G-Man. G-Man. Sorry, yeah. one. I've got Jack. He's not real good in a maze. No, he like, was shit in a maze. His six-year-old managed to backtrack, hide behind a tree, yeah. get out of the thing, and he couldn't make it around once. Yeah. Then he just sat he's there. He's smart, that kid. He really, you think he's not all there and Actually, he just he, aces he, yeah, the he maze. Did, he yeah. did. That's In Jack's then. fairness, he should have been HIA at that stage and uh, a 15-minute yeah. man. He should have been in the tent. On the sidelines. Yeah, <laughs> that was category was, uh, one, definitely. Or, or he was having 11 he days He could off. have done what uh, Bart Simpson did. He just got the uh, hedge cutters and just cut a big hole yeah. through the whole <laughs> thing and just went <laughs> outside. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, he could have just driven the, the snow cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Drag the snow cat. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah, just get out. The hole, hole, hole. Yep, outside. Uh, good. Very uh, well. All right. Moving along, robot sentries for an additional scene or scenes you may have wanted to have seen, a la when we find out that the Space Marines are in deep shit in Aliens because there are millions of those fuckers crawling through the the, the hull of the town. Uh, What else did you want to know about this particular film? I mean, God, there's so many red herrings and uh, and dead ends in in the film. Was there anything particularly you wanted to know more about? Croxy, what did you leave wanting to know more about? The deleted scene, the ending. Yeah. I wanted to know where Ullman fit. I think there's an Ullman story there that's not complete in the final film. And I think there's uh, there's an added layer of darkness and, and oddness there. Yeah. Uh, so we've never seen it. it there's, there's, apparently it was shot, it's been cut, but there's never been anything out of the estate. Uh, you can find the screenplay online and read what it does. Uh, that's a whole different movie. You, mm, put, yeah, you put Ullman there throwing the ball to the kid. Mm. That's a whole different, <laughs> Just, that's a whole different uh, set of theories. It is. Yep. That would be. I, and I do think that end scene, yeah, would have been pretty cool to see. Just mm. that the, no, for me, I'd like to see that Shelley Dubail and Danny are safe. Mm. You know, I know they drove off, but I, I actually, I, I do like a nice ending, and I would have liked to have seen them, yes, safe somewhere. Happy ending. Yeah, I would like. Both of those are addressed in the sequel in Doctor Sleep. So I, I haven't, I must conclude, seen all of Doctor Sleep. Why did you recommend it to me? And I haven't got through it all as yet. But both of those questions are answered in uh, in Doctor Sleep. So we won't 
have any spoilers in case anyone wants to go. Very good movie. But yeah, definitely the uh, the sequel. So good. Oh, Gal, anything else you wanted to know? No, that's it for me. No, I'm good. Excellent. All right. Finally, what is Brad Pitt for the actor you'd most like to meet at the gymnasium of the Overlook Hotel to do two-person push-ups with? Um, It's pretty slim pickings. I mean, we're all a little bit bear-curious. I know that. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good point. I yeah, about the bear it's 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 hard to go. Okay, it's hard to the bear. It's hard to go past vagina beard, right? It's, yes, she's your only choice. Yeah. And let's be honest, if you're all in Jack's spot, you're having a crack. Oh, who wouldn't? Yeah. Even after you see the reflection, you'd figure, well, oh, after a post, oh yeah, post reflection, no chance. Just ke- I just kept my eyes closed. Yeah, <laughs> just keep my eyes closed. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Go in the bath. Great work, gentlemen. That was not so quick. Quick fire. Let's move on to listen to this. G-Man, you've given us about 19 already. What else you got? I, I've, I've kind of... You've done all your good I've ones, right? below there, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> look, the snowy maze that we talked about, the, there wasn't that much snow there that consisted of 900 tonnes of salt and crushed styrofoam. That's a lot. Wow. It's a big maze. Tons, big man. maze, yeah. It's incredible because it, it seriously looks like the middle it, of winter, right? It looks like it's snow. In, so well yeah. done. It, it's funny because when they... You know, see a shot at the start where you can't see the maze. I don't know if it's supposed to be out the back, but I thought it was out the front there. But when when they show the overhead shot of the of the overlook, it's not there. There's no the maze. whole maze is no, not there, yeah. which is funny. The other one was um, look. The first choice to play Danny was um, was Carrie Guffey, who was the boy out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Really? Oh, yeah, the young kid. Yeah, but the parents turned it down due to the nature of the movie. We're gonna so, we're gonna pass on this. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I think Danny nails that. So, you know, every I've done everything else. Okay, so. Croaks, you got anything? Just sorry, go, sorry. Yeah, back. I just want to go back to the snow, and this is for Croaksy and Damo, our two thespians. Any interesting stories where the uh, the set or props have malfunctioned during a scene where they've had to reshoot either at the diner on Home and Away, Damo, <laughs> or on the set of the uh, beloved telly movie Chappelle, Croaksy. Well, there's plenty of snow in the Chappelle movie. <laughs> yeah, there we are. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I don't know. I noticed that in, if you're talking about this film particularly, the scene where Wendy approaches Jack at the typewriter and they have that little bit of interaction and then they cut back immediately to, to Wendy's point of view and the chair in the back of the scene against the wall has disappeared. Yeah. Uh, and there are people will say, well, it's a continuity error. Things, are, Props are moved and things have lost. Uh, but then you go, well, it's Kubrick. Uh, attention to detail is his thing. Attention to detail. Every yeah. scene is a story. So then you start to wonder, well, is that prop missing because? <laughs> has, the, has the typewriter changed? And maybe that's where the film takes on a life of its own because we put so much faith and uh, elevation into Kubrick yeah. that you start to believe the man couldn't have made a misstep. Yeah, yeah, and in, in actual fact. <laughs> where is an actual <laughs> yeah. fact. He which fucked is, up. Which, which adds yeah. to the, uh, the, the the charm of great art. Yeah, you know, He's immune. That. He's immune from any sort yeah. of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think that the typewriter changed colour or it was just lit differently? I don't know that it was a different colour. I, I feel like... They set up another shot, and it hasn't been colour graded, and there was it was just lit completely differently. I, I don't think know if that you have changed. a look at it, they're two different models. Okay. Yeah, I okay. think they are well, two different. Yeah. If yeah. yeah, I will shut the fuck up then. <laughs> <laughs> so have a look. Have a look. It's worth going back and taking a look. <laughs> Vince, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Uh, the the blood from the elevator. 
So he's obviously known for doing 100 takes of Scatman Crothers' erection, but with the elevator, was three takes. Now, took nine days to set up, though, for each take. Took one year to get that shot right. Whoa. That's fucking incredible. Isn't it? That's how important that shot was to that movie. That's iconic. That one shot. In in The Simpsons, when the uh, blood comes out of the elevator, um, I think Smithers, Smithers says, that's odd. The blood normally gets off at the second floor. Just <laughs> 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 <This is> stupid. It's <laughs> <laughs> so silly. That's uh, brilliant. Yeah. So good. So what a great good. scene. Oh, God. You know, yeah. one for the ages. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, so the whole movie was supposed to take 17 weeks. And it ended up taking something like nearly a year, nearly 52 weeks yeah. for them to get that. It's full on. Well, yeah. the, the, I would say that, and you guys might have it, but the staircase scene did 127 shots mm-hmm. and it's in the Guinness Book of Records. Wow. So it's just about his, yeah, perfectionism. And like I said, he, he could have done it 127 different ways. Shelley said he was the cruelest, kindest man she ever worked with. Right. And you can see that he broke her on that, that stairwell scene. Yeah. But her performance is ageless. It's yeah. a stellar yeah. performance. And his whole thing was, we'll keep doing takes until you break because I need you to break. Right. I don't want you to act. Yeah. Right. I want I want truth. Yeah. And if wow. getting truth means you have to break, we'll get that for the camera because yeah. pain yeah. is temporary and film is forever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, and I, I mentioned it before too that, you know, all the, the laying of the music tracks was undertaken after the final cut. So there was the final cut and Gordon Stainforth had pieces of music that he had to sort of manipulate. He didn't want to change, change any melodies or change anything or bastardise it, but he had to line them all up with each scene, with each shot. And it was, and I've seen sort of pictures of his, uh, his, his mapping it out, and it's quite incredible. But mm. there's two other girls that, that did play on the main theme, and they did a lot of scoring for a lot of um, scenes. So this is um, Wendy Carlos and Rachel Elk, Elkind. And they did a whole heap of scoring. So they played the main theme, but from the Hector Berlioz Symphony Fantastique. They did that. They played it. But then they did all these other scores for all these different scenes. And they they worked with him on A Clockwork Orange. And they did all this work, 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 lots of work, pushed work for nothing that was shown in Clockwork Orange. So they had a similar bad experience. And the same thing happened here. The Kubrick sort of pushed them. And they did all this work. And nothing, none of it, apart from just replaying uh, Hector Berlioz's theme, was played. So they tried to, they were just, they vowed never to work with Kubrick ever again. M- mate, they busted Most their ass. Did. Yeah. yeah. And um, they tried to then, you know, sue him or take him to, cur- uh, to court, but they actually didn't have any sort of official contract in place. So they had nothing. But it was like, my God. So I think Stanley, yeah, he probably just, uh, I don't know, did a lot of people come back and <laughs> do work with him again? Well, no, we said before, we Slim Pickens. There's a few people I think that have said no. That's yeah. uh, that'll do me working on set with him. Would be tough. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, anyone got anything else? Let's move on. We'll get into quotables. There's not a heap. There's the four you've already mentioned, really, isn't but there's, there? Yeah. Well, there's, there's yeah, a couple more. Obviously, here's Johnny, which yeah. is probably Red Rum. Could it, could could here's Johnny be almost be the most iconic quote? In cinema history. Mm. And it's he, an improv. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and Kubrick didn't even know what it meant. No. Yeah, because so he was English. He, was, he wanted to cut it. Yeah. Okay, so it was a Johnny Carson reference. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, everyone would know if, if you said, it, where's his Johnny from? 95% would probably say The Shining and not Johnny Carson. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because, pa- yeah, pass over. The Little yeah. Pig's rhyme, when he's when he's cracking down the door, that was good. Yeah. When he's just fully losing it. Yeah. But I did, I did, I, I wrote down a couple. Go for um, it. 
sort of when Jack when he saw he said hi Lloyd he glances around the empty bar <laughs> a little slow tonight isn't it you know just <laughs> like yeah he's doing weird conversations yeah, yeah. um the um but also the <laughs> this is not a quote but when when Grady spilt that that oh, drink yeah right and then Jack advocate. Was, yeah, that thing. Yeah, and then Jack was like, "Oh, you may have got a little bit on you as well," and he slapped him on the back. Yeah. And there's all, there's and all the yellow on, yeah. on his back. Yeah. Oh my god, what was that about? Can I just say while you're in that space, it's the worst drink spill. A fake oh, drink spill. Bad. He and steps I, right and steps left. Yeah, yeah. and I've tried to watch it and think, is it because he needs him to be covered in this? I try to excuse it. Yeah, but over time I watch it. Oh man, that is the worst looking. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been in our um, bad sporting prowess. Yeah. That drink yeah. spill. Yeah. That drink yeah. spill. He, he, he goes one way and then the but other. But he does. Yeah. He yes. does need to get him into the bathroom to have that conversation. So that's why I wonder is is even that deliberate? Look yeah, how, I think that's look deliberate. How we forgive Kubrick. I think that's. Yes. I think he's that's immune. deliberate. Yes, he's immunity. Kubrick immunity. That's the new thing, isn't it? I love it. it. I love it. Yeah. Okay, anyone get anything? I love I the line. It. The first time I got creeped out watching that film was when Danny says to his mother, um, through Tony, Danny isn't here, Mrs. Torrance. Yeah. That, I remember watching that as a young guy, and that was the first time I thought, oh my, what a creepy line, where he's saying, I'm not here. This kid's taken up. Tony's taken up. Tony's here. And, and you know, depending on where you sit, Tony's the fractured personality Yep. Of Danny. But just that line, he's not here anymore. Yeah. Whoa, oh, what? God, what? So it's it's yeah. it's funny, it's the first it's amazing the first that I have when I watch these movies, but it's the first time I've realized about the he's the man in his Danny's mouth. Mm. That's the first time I've really taken notice of that of that line. Mm. He's the man in Danny's mouth. I'm like, that's fucking creepy. Yes. Super creepy. Yeah, I hear you loud yeah. and clear. Dan, you got anything? Oh, we touched on it earlier, but Delbert Grady in the bathroom scene, just, uh, my girls, sir, they didn't care for the overlook at first. <laughs> yeah. One of them actually stole a box of matches and tried to burn it down, but I corrected them. Yes. Sir. And when my wife tried to prevent me from doing right. my duty, I corrected her. <laughs> Very good. He's, He's a good creep, isn't he? Yeah. Real yeah. good creep. Well, he Super changed creep. so quickly, yeah. didn't yes. he? He yes. was like, oh, sorry, sir, and yeah, let's come and clean you up and... Then he's just having a conversation. Then he turned into that. Well, yeah. it's, I think it's a, he only turns when Jack uh, yeah, he realizes who he is. Who he is? Yeah, yeah. Hey, oh. hey, yeah, you. Yeah. Well, he, he tries yeah. to deny it for a little bit, doesn't yeah. he? And then he just leans yeah. right no, into it. I know it. you. Yeah. What do, What do you think the choice was for so many English accents appearing in the movie that's set in a Colorado, Colorado hotel in in the nineteen twenties? <laughs> well, why? Yeah. Yeah, it, I, I, it's convenience a, where they were. There's got to be some Kubrick immunity there. Yeah. Diplomatic immunity. Yeah. 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 There we go. Yeah, because he's shooting all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally get it. Yeah, yeah good question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You got anything else? No, I should say, I mean, the Roadrunner song played quite for a long time. Yes. Was that anything? Yes. Can I tell you what I think that is? Get the fuck out of there. I think. Here's, can I can I go for a little bit here? Yeah, or maybe it's just a run. Yeah, go and paint, go and paint a train station on the wall and get him to run into it. <laughs> I think or the overlook. I, I, this is not my theory. I've, I've read it and I loved it. The the overlook is America. You go into Ullman's office. It's eagles. There's a lot of red, white, and blue going on. You yep. look at the color, the colors on the on the wardrobe. There's a lot of red, white, and blue. You look at the. Uh, uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but moon landing detail, right? Yep. yep. Um, the Apollo Eleven jumper on yep. Danny as he stands slowly like the rocket is launching. The Overlook is America. Uh, and America was built on the blood of the, the American Indian. 
And then Jack is a, rep- a representation of what America will do to the white man. That you will, it will, it will fracture the family. We'll, we want you to be ready for violence. We need you to be in service to violence. Um, I think there's a lot of that kind of thing going on there. I think the Roadrunner piece, I think that is a connection to this idea of... You, he's playing with this idea of chasing but not quite getting. Right, Jack yep. only kills... He only kills once, right? Yeah, he kills he's Scat Man. But he kills the black man. He, 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 he kills the black man. And I think that's also... This is not my theory. I've, I found this one. I thought, oh, I really like that. That Kubrick's making a statement... Which he does in Clockwork, which he touches on in 2001. I think 2001 is man's search for meaning, and there's violence scattered through that. Man becomes awakened through the act of violence. Uh, I think this is also a story about man, man and violence. It's also a story about America and its, its passion for violence. And I think the Looney Tunes piece is also this whole idea of chase down and uh, attempt and to kill, attempt to destroy. If you look at the, the number 42 pops up right through there. Yeah. You see Danny wearing that. 42 on his on his top in the bathroom in the first scene. Um, I hear that if you look in HD, 42 is on the license plate for Halloran's vehicle driving through the snow. Mm. Um, you see Wendy with the baseball bat. Jackie Robinson was number 42. 42 yeah. um, perhaps there's a statement there to be made about uh, the uh, the African American journey within America. So I, I think there's a lot of that stuff going on there with Kubrick. Um, that's that one kind of settles. It's Pandora's box. It's Pandora's yeah. box. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think that's a good place to go. <laughs> Film school <laughs> for F wits. And let's just keep piling on. Daniel, take it away. Yeah, I this is this normally film school for F wits, Craigs. If you haven't listened, it's just normally when I just waffle on about something that I've enjoyed about the film or some element of the production that I can wank on about. And I was going to talk about the use of Steadicam and that sinister point of view that you talked about a lot because it was quite uh, it, it was very unique. Steadicam but it was only a thing for a couple of years prior to the, the filming of of this film, so it was uh, an interesting choice. Oh, by the director, and uh, I, I think you could talk a lot about how it's used and whose point of view it is that we are seeing when we're watching it, uh, that sinister point of view. But I just recently watched the Room 237 doco as well, which is basically ground zero for all of the, some might say, post-rationalised theories on this particular film. And I was talking to Whitey about it offline, off and the question is, and we could, you could, everyone's going to have a point of view, but... Is there more to this than a ghost story genre horror film? Um, go. The thing I struggled with this time watching this movie was the... I love a movie where there's unanswered questions. I love a, a movie where it's left up to your own mind to decide what goes on. The problem is you need to leave some semblance of breadcrumbs for me to track. I find the breadcrumbs get spread really thin in this movie. And I, I wasn't taking the piss. There, there are many, many conspiracy theories about this movie. Is there 237? There's probably more, right? You, you've spoke croaks tonight about one I'd never even heard of before With just then. Now, I still watch this movie and I don't know what has happened. I know that that final shot where it just keeps Focusing in on Jack in in nineteen twenty one in a photo. Yeah, was he always at the Overlook? Yeah. Is is he the like? Is he a ghost? So is this, yeah. This is because 
one of the theories is that it's too. yeah that it's absorbing. That's the hotel absorbing his soul, so it's taking him into oh, the that's into all the people that are in there. Because I looked this up because I was like, what so is the significance uh, of that? So all those people in that are, are they all dead? Have they all been absorbed? Are they all live forever at the Overlook? Like, yeah, I would like one thing for someone to say. This is what this means. A well, definitive. Kubrick Kubrick had said that it is a it suggests that he's a reincarnation of an earlier official at the hotel. Yeah, so okay. someone that's already been there. That's why he says you've been you've always been the caretaker. You've always here. been here, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's that to it. But it, you're right, it leaves you just without enough to go, what what is it? Like am I and that's why I thought was, am I missing something from the book because I've never read the book? Or is it just his way of leaving us hanging? And and I think really and I think leaving us hanging and, and leaving everybody to go to to debate this that, ad nauseum. That final moment for me is the best final moment in any film of the genre, yeah. and I think it's the launch pad for which every conspiracy is born from. Yeah. Because when you ask that question of what the fuck is happening there, yeah, every other question follows on the back of that. Yeah. You know, which is part of his, I think, part of his genius. The Orman scene allegedly has the lines about no bodies were found. Were they absorbed into the hotel? Yeah. Was it a story of reincarnation that there's two Grady's uh, that Jack has been always meant to return to and he's always been there? Is it a story about that? We may not get the answers, which is part of the, the magic. Yeah. That's what he wants. Yes. That's exactly what he wanted. Everyone to be have all these wild theories and no one actually knows. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? No, and and like, and I don't want to, uh, and I never presume to be a movie aficionado, right? And and there are movies that I've watched hundreds of times that I can, I can see what the what they're trying to. Even the most difficult movies, I sort of get them. This movie, I don't, I don't get. Like it's, it's a horror movie without being a horror movie. It's mm. a ghost story without being a ghost story. It is so layered in what it is. But I can't decide what it is, and and maybe that's what will keep me yeah. going back to it. It's and even this, and I, sh- I actually, I was really careful this time watching it. That's why I watched it twice because I, I wanted to have a definitive answer, and I just don't. Yeah. Is it is it about the Indians? Is it about the moon landing? Is it about uh, Holocaust? Holocaust? Yes. Is it like what's it about? I it's a mind trap, and that's yes. that's yeah. what he's done. That's yeah, and, exactly and I, what he's done to draw you in, and and everyone has their own interpretation. That's as succinct a summary of that film as I've ever heard. Yeah. It's a mind trap. And you can the joy of it is you can watch it and decide, I want to watch a ghost story. Yeah. I want to watch, as Kubrick said, the story of a family going insane together. Which I want to watch a story that's do. an allegory about America. And I think if you can pick almost how you want to view it, that's great art. Well, I yeah. think to your point earlier, that the more times you watch it, the more these come out, and you and you see different sides of it, and you, and you take you take yourself on that journey rather than the the, the previous one you've gone on. So mm, mm. that's the beauty of it. So Dan, chime in here. Where do you sit with this? Oh well, th- so this viewing was probably my worst uh, for thinking that for for not agreeing with a lot of the theories about it. So obviously, Kubrick renowned for placing a huge amount of themes and symbolism and recurring motifs in this uh, I found really interesting about the left, right, left, left, right that you mentioned earlier, Craig, he didn't have any clue of that. So there's obviously a series of extremely deliberate choices. The vanishing chair, no, I'm sorry, that's not a continuity error. You don't take 100 takes and then 
forget that there was a chair in the back of that shot previously. I mean, a depth of field as well. He, he You can see everything that's happening in the back of the, the screen with his takes. There's never any really shallow depth of field that he uses. Like we see everything that's happening in the background. So as a choice, he's definitely taken that chair out. But fucking why? Because most <laughs> viewers aren't going to see that in the first 20 viewings. And in 1980, you're not going to see it 20 times. So yeah. my, my question is more about why were the, those choices so subtle and was he just that much of a genius that he predicted the interweb and the fact that we would be we would have youtube and we would be able to go back and watch our favorite scenes and find some some trueness in in the the talk about the plight of the american indians and obviously that's introduced in the dialogue as well that it's an old indian burial ground so that that's not by chance like he wants us to think that and then there's a lot of talk in this room two three seven documentary about the positioning of the the uh, Indian chief uh, cans that are in a lot of the storeroom shots. Um, that just has one of the, the theories behind the fact that it is uh, it is completely linked to the story of the American Indians as well. So I, I don't know. I just find it that what's really, I guess, frustrating for me is that a genius like this would be so subtle to uh, to have us talking about it 45 years later and still not having not not being quite sure what he's on about which again I completely love I, I love to be I love a riddle I enjoy the fact that the film makes us think and I, I tend to skew towards the belief that that that's what makes this film brilliant because you're not quite sure which what you're watching and you can watch it under many guises but I just I don't know that he quite nails it, and I, I, I that has a knock-on effect for me for all of the performances because that's when I question Jack Nicholson's performance as to what he's doing. If there isn't a wider story, but the wider stories are too subtle for me to understand, so I'm a little bit lost into into why everything was happening and why those choices were made. Does that make any sense? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I I agree. I think that. Yeah, and I agree with the croaks that I'm a Gally Greer guy, but it's a mind trap, and that's all it is. And I, and if you look at and actually, that's enough for me. Now that 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 I think, you know what? I'm not supposed to know. I, it's it's supposed to be open ended. It, it there's no end. And even as we watch uh, Doctor Sleep as a sequel, it still doesn't really explain what happened at the Overlook. Mm. Like. Danny Ewan McGregor's character d- does not delve much into the Overlook. In fact, they go back there and they still don't talk much about it, about what happened when he was there and, and the reasons behind it. But uh, I think this this movie, though, now that when you talk about it like that, you want to watch it again and go, well, I don't know, see again, did I miss something? Was there something else in there? And that that's what sort of draws you back to it. it it's I think it's a movie that is, I think it's a movie that is best seen with company. I think it is a movie that is best discussed Watching it with a nine-year-old. <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon? Yeah. Well, you look, reckon? It, look. I, 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 I saw it. I saw it from a different perspective. <laughs> uh, but like, I think that if you were to sit, if the five of us were to sit down in a in a in a lounge room and 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 watch this and and have a discussion, this would be an excellent movie to have a. a a watch party with, mm. if you know what I mean, yeah. where you would record the discussion that you would have because I'm sure they would be going, what the fuck is going on here? Oh, look at that. You saw that. See that silhouette? And I think that would be perfect because I think that the more people you can get in a room with a different perspective on it, you might actually narrow narrow the depth of field and actually get to something where at the moment I'm saying, well, I'm just comfortable now with thinking, well, I'm not supposed to know. 
Mm. What's what's that show? What's that Aussie show where they all sit on the lounge and and review? Oh, oh, Gogglebox. Yeah, yeah Gogglebox. We have we're gonna have born to watch Gogglebox. <laughs> but I think well, we're gonna, we're gonna do a watch party. We're gonna do a yeah. watch party. We record what we say. Actually, Dan's wife, when we were up there at Christmas time, said. You guys should just record yourself. We're watching Predator and we're just talking about you. Yeah. You guys should just record yourself talking while you're watching that's a movie. A show, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's yeah, it's got some so weight. Still haven't done it, but we will. Need some editing that one, that yeah. version. <laughs> it's it's gonna need some editing. It certainly would. But it's but I think if you all got around to try and watch it, the the, the detail is too small to see. So I'll, I'm going to bring something up here. So this, uh, and it's going to, and we've touched on it, but Felicio Bear, who's number one character in the show, yes. right? <laughs> The whole star the, of the show, star of the show. You know, really, it, this comes up. It is bizarre, and I, when I first saw it, I was like, "That is disturbing, weird, creepy. What the hell is that?" And Wendy's face, like complete and utter shock, jealous. So, <laughs> it's called jealousy. Now, 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 the reason for that. Then you got to then you then you got to work work your way backwards. What is a bear? What is a bear? And then we see Dan, a lot of things with Danny with a bear. Danny's got a bear pillow. Danny's bedroom's got a little bear picture above it. Um, the bit where um, uh, Wendy runs to Jack when he's having that nightmare. She runs over a bear skin rug. Mm. And then you start looking at Jack. When Jack's sitting in the Overlook lobby, he's reading Playgirl. Not Playboy. He's reading Playgirl. Now, the article in mm. Playgirl is... This get is this, heavy. This is heavy. Get this. Mm. Why parents sleep with their children. Mm. Oh. Right? Right. That That's is the, the featured article on the cover. That is the article on the Playgirl wow. magazine. And then you start going... Right, so bears, Danny, sexual abuse, and then you start going, 237 is Jack doing that to Danny. And, and Jack sees a beautiful form because at, his, at his, his sort of mind, he's at this sort of high arousal where he thinks it's something beautiful for, for him and beautiful for the other person. All Danny sees is the old hag, right? The, the rocket on his... Um, uh, his jumper is more like a, a phallic symbol sort of thing. But the whole thing is you tie all the bears in to that final bear scene and it's where Shelley Duval actually comes to the realisation what's actually happening between Jack and oh, Danny. Oh, so grim. So grim. It is, but, but, grim. But, but, but there is this whole... Um, uh, Rob, was it Rob Ager? Rob Ager, uh, Rob, or Ager. Rob Ager. Uh, collect, is it? Col- he, he's a, he's a, like a s- cinema sort of... I don't know. Collative learning, I think, is the YouTube. It was, and I just came across it, and he just presented all this evidence, Mm. and you start going, "That's incredible." Mm. I mean, but the Playgirl one, what the hell? And that's one of the strands they do. They did talk about a little bit in this room two two three seven, and there's about five others that are similarly. Just you, you just wouldn't pick up unless you would. Uh, you, you, you can't draw see that detail. No, not at all. So, how do you see the detail of a number plate? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, it's curious, isn't it, that suddenly Wendy's now seeing things. And I've heard the theory that they all shine. They all shine. Right. This is, But to varying degrees. Halloran makes a comment to Danny in the opening moments there about some people have it, some don't know they have it. Right. And some repress it and bury it. Right. And he's saying things like that for a reason. Mm. Suddenly yeah. now Wendy is seeing... She's seeing everything. Up until at yeah. the moment, she's seeing nothing. Yeah. yeah. But now she's seeing, so she's seeing as well. Jack is starting to shine. He's seeing the, the characters in the bar and so on. So perhaps there's something going on there as well. I don't think there's any getting around the, the, the suggestion of the sexual trauma, as hard as that is as a, as a topic. I think there's got to be some kind of layer in there. I, I think so. It, it starts with that whole, as you say, he's sitting there reading Playgirl. That is the headline on the, on the oh, magazine. Yeah. 
It's a subtle, deep touch, but it's in there for a reason. Yeah. But, but then there was more evidence too, like even though when Danny's uh, leaning in, uh, when he's talking to Tony in the first in that bathroom, it's a similar scene to the way Jack was sitting on the bed, and there was all these things that this guy came up with. It's like. Bloody hell! This this then real made me realise how many layers mm. are in these Kubrick films, and they're all dark in it's this like, one. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is. I mean, it's it's almost as dense as the Eagles Hotel California song. Like, there's almost on a desert highway. Ah, uh, look, I, I think you've all answered that exactly how I thought you would, and that's brilliant, and I don't think we're going to solve that, and I don't think a million of us would solve it, but I've watched this film as a ghost story genre horror film 35 out of the 45 times I've watched it, and thoroughly fucking loved it, so there's uh, there's something to be said for watching it in whatever dimension you like, but it's uh, there's certainly... You could not argue that Kubrick hasn't layered it with so much fucking shit that it's uh, it's difficult to untangle, and uh, we'll, we'll be debating this for another fifty years. Daniel, a very good film school for F wits. Actually, I think all five of us really stood up to the plate there, brought something to it. Well done, and we're going to go from something very dark to something very good, very kick-ass. Yes, Stan Bush, kick-ass. Credit song. Damo is on the mic. This is an interesting one, mate. It is. This is this is I'm really looking forward to this. How do you make a Stan Bush out of this? Yeah, yeah it's a it's a good song. I've I don't know. Do you guys want to hear the twelve inch? Because it, 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 what, what what are the options I've got? Well, there's a twelve inch or the seven inch. Well, <laughs> I always take the twelve. Well, it's just that if it's um it has a bass solo at the end, a bit like Fleetwood Max the Chain. Go for it. But I don't give know us, give us the, I don't know if you want to hear the bass solo. Does it <laughs> Did you incorporate any scat? <laughs> any scat and bebop in there? <laughs> well, maybe we can blend the bass solo let's, from this into the chain. Let's hope that your that your Stan Bush kick-ass credit song isn't scat. No, it's not. It is. Okay. This is pure kick-ass. You think this is your best of all time? Well, I think this is like I've really PSO8 times challenge PSOS times 8. Yes, I oh, know. I think it's. I think it's, it's on a par. times eight. Yeah, is that was, your, is, was your first was and your taken. best. Yeah, that was a good one. Particular set of skills. Yeah, <laughs> taken. PSOS <laughs> times eight. Brilliant. I sang it eight times. Particular set of skills. <laughs> you don't know who you are. A particular set of skills. I'm a killer kind of sir. It was good. <laughs> All right. This song is called Dull Boy. Sorry. Dull Boy. Dull. Right. Okay. Dull. All right. So very uh, Stanbush. Okay. <laughs> We drove up the sidewinder to the Overlook Hotel. Nicest place mum had ever seen, didn't know it turned to hell. Chef tells me I got the gift, shining's what it's called. Oh yeah, now I know why my vision spawned. Dad's on the typewriter, his eyes start to glaze. He's dancing in the gold room in a ghost cabaret. What do you say, Tony? Red rum, red rum. Dad's got an axe and he's coming, coming, look in the mirror, mum. Oh, work and no play, Max Jack a dull boy. Blood flows from the lift, it's time to deploy. We gotta get out, the evil's coming by. A farewell BJ by the arse's best suit guy. Oh, work and no play, Max Jack a dull boy. Footprints in the snow are just a decoy. Lost in the maze, his mind is controlled. Nuts are frozen solid, he can't escape the cold. Oh, what can no play makes Jack a dull boy? Oh, what can no play makes Jack a dull boy? Do, 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 do.
Yeah, I think I stuffed. I'll sing it after, maybe. Mate, it was very good. No, it was great. It was was very good. It was good. It was very good. The the, the fuck-ups make it. Oh, okay. It's the rough edges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, It's it's the rough edges. One taker. Damo, well done. Another cracker. You have set the bar high. Uh, Next week, I don't know, might be Gow up next week. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I did the last one. Okay, well, then it's me. (laughs) Then it's me. Okay, let's let's slide into star of the show. Of course, we can't pick Damo for his song. We'll start with our guest, Croxy. Who you got? Uh, I think Danny Lloyd. Oh, for me, I think that's a really great performance. Jack's obvious. Wendy's great. Or Shelley's great. But I, I think Danny Lloyd gives a, a very solid, understated, real performance. Okay, nice one, Daniel. I concur, Croxy. Yeah, nice. I'm. I'm on. I'm the agreeer. I'm Gow the agreeer, and I agree with you. Okay, G Man. I'm Gow the Agreer. Okay. Damien. I'm going Gordon Stainforth, the uh, music editor. Oh. Uh, wow. the, uh, through the music, the horror became alive and tangible. It's hard to argue yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. I, do, I do not disagree yeah. with you, strawberry haired aficionado of film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Kubrick. And just purely because. He's just left so much unanswered, and everything was a choice. There's no doubt he made no mistakes. He he, his decision was to make us to be talking about this 43 years later. Well done, mm. sadly missed. Okay, well done, gentlemen. Just quietly, we, did we do one degree of Kurt Russell? Oh. Croxy mentioned that he might have had one. I think I've got one here. I did a little bit of research when John Carpenter was casting Jack Burton for Big Trouble in Little China. One of the greatest movies of all time. He firstly wanted Jeff Bridges. And then thought about Clint Eastwood, and then had Jack Nicholson. Really, I'll take that. Board. I'll take that. And then decided, you know what? It's Kurt Russell. Has to be Kurt. Is yeah. he linked? There it is. Kurt. But uh, apparently, Carpenter seriously considered Nicholson. Wanted yeah. to give him a, a, a whole change. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have worked those thigh high nah. boots. He couldn't have said high boots. <laughs> the check is in the meal. Yeah. <laughs> Call the president. Okay, so I think we've done a fairly comprehensive uh, episode here, and is by far our longest so far. And it's thoroughly deserved in a movie that is still pondered today. Let's slide into the rank bank and find out where this is going to sit. Now, I've got a couple options here for us. So I'm going to start off the top with Gowsman. Movie mind traps. Uh, homicidal husbands. Shitty jobs. Indian burial grounds. Dull boys. Bearsuit blowjobs. Or vagina beards. Oh, God. Or even oh. arse loop bear suits. Oh. Arseless bear suits. Fellatio bears. Fellatio bears. <laughs> pig, pig face lick out. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm saving something for the end about pig face lick outs. That was last week. Uh, anything else? What are we thinking? We like I any think of them? Fellatio bears was not too bad. That sounds like it should be yeah. a toy line. <laughs> <laughs> I got, don't take them out of the box. I got my Felicio bear. <laughs> what did you get for Christmas? I've been to a few Japanese adult toy shops in Tokyo that I reckon have a Felicio bear out the back for sure. Right. Was some weird ass shit he, 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 was, the, uh, yeah. he was the uh, 1980s gimp, wasn't he? There you go. The, the Felicio bear. Yeah. Okay, we're yeah. going Felicio bears. 
Daniel, how many fellatio bears are you giving The Shining? Look, despite the wobbles I got on this viewing because my brain couldn't cope with all of the theories in Room 237, the doco, I still very much love this film. Not my favourite Kubrick film, and my favourite Kubrick film is not 2001 A Space Odyssey, but in fact is Full Metal Jacket. And I have gone for four out of five with this film just because of what it's done for me in the last 40 years, maybe not the last week. Yeah, good call. Uh, Damien? Look, I'm not a craft beer guy, right? So you can give me a bent spoke crankshaft IPA, but I would prefer to have a Great Northern, just a whitefish. So it's probably Kubrick is the king of craft beer, sort of for me. So I'm giving this a 3.75 fellatio bears. Okay. Solid. I like the analogy. Our guest, Croaks. I can't top anything you guys have said there to to get to it, but I'm going to go 4.6 fellatio bears. <laughs> uh, 4.6, because I think, uh, I think this is uh, a masterwork. Yep. Uh, its flaws are minor, and great art should create great conversations. Yeah, well done. Uh, tick, tick, tick. Do you, Croaksy, do you have fives? Now, you don't have to, you don't have to divulge them here because we might invite you back, but uh, do, this is a 4.6 and you said this is in your top five. Do you have a five I do. in mind? Yeah, 2001 Space okay. Odyssey is a five, I, right? Yeah. Oh, 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 <laughs> Don't, yeah, let's not steal his thunder. <laughs> well, he's already <laughs> told he's already us it's his favourite yeah, fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe his number one movie is not his five. It could be cryptic like Stanley fucking... <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. He's got layers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Porky's. Porky's is five for uh, Croaks. Anyway, uh, and speaking of a five for oh, porkies. porkies, let's go to Gow. Uh, how many fellatio bears are you giving The Shining? I really enjoyed re-watching this and, and now having discussed it for so long. I, I, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's like going through all of it. Yes. I... I really want to watch it again. You know, it's something now yeah. could, because we're now we've talked to so many topics. I really want to I'm think about watching it again just yeah. to get that different perspective. So I'm going to give it 3.75. It's a good score. It's a good score. Okay. I had given this a rating before, well, about halfway through the podcast. I've changed that rating. I've given it more. I think that the we, we asked a lot of questions. This is as close to a a, a movie podcast that we've come to on Born to Watch. We've actually really dissected the film. I, I am comfortable now not knowing. I'm comfortable now in the in the idea that it's a movie mind trap. I'm giving this four fellatio bears. It was at 3.75, but it gets that little bit extra because I think it's an 8 out of 10 movie. And, and it's one that I, after talking about it, I was almost ready to Marie Kondo this and just store it away and not watch it again. After talking about it, I'm with Gal. I'll be watching it again. It deserves more viewing. G-Man, how are you going over there, mate? Ready to go. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Got it. I've got my technique down and everything. <laughs> you don't be tickling uh, or nothing. <laughs> tickling <laughs> or nothing. Uh, look, this this has come in at 4.02 heady bears. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it's right above 4... Ass and umptions for the long kiss good night. Okay. <laughs> which is equal with four bananas in the tailpipe. And also four pieces of white dog shit for stepbrothers. <laughs> it's right below Predator at 4.06 ugly motherfuckers and Gone Girl at 4.08 world class vaginas. 
or Ben Affleck side dicks for Damo. That's what it should have been. It's a travesty that never got called side dicks. Um, Absolute travesty. (laughs) She did have a world-class vagina, though. Yeah, but you didn't see it. So this has brought us into number 32, spot 32 on our list. God, it's... And that's over four. It's a tough crowd. There's a lot of of fours out of fives. It's a tough crowd, aren't we? That is tough. That is tough. We are a super tough crowd. Uh, Well done, gents. I think that... uh, as we said, we're here to evoke an emotion about film. And I think we've done that tonight. I'm, I'm definitely going to be re-watching this one. I'm sure we all will. And maybe we all do it together and talk, uh, maybe just have a, bring a pack of sayos and just rip in. Um, and uh, <laughs> For the bath scene. Well, that's it. Uh, anyway, so if you liked The Shining, what are you going to watch? Croaksy. John Carpenter's. The thing. Oh, mate. Five out of five got, for you'll me. You'll get with that one. That's fucking lick out. I like it. A masterpiece. Yep. Isolation. Yep. Cabin fever. Yep. Doubt about who and what is real. There's similar themes, uh, and yet it's completely unique. Uh, it's a masterwork. Whispers in the in the in the industry that maybe Carpenter is thinking of. Heard a about it. Heard so about it. What a what a piece of work that movie uh, is. We did the thing probably. Uh, episode four. Oh, great! Of and we probably it's probably one we need to revisit. Mm. I gave it a five. It sits in uh, sits in eleventh spot. Right there yeah, you go. Four point five flamethrowers <laughs> for Perfect. us. Yes, rightly so. It's yeah. a masterpiece. It's it's a quality film. Yeah, so yeah. good. One of my one of my favourites. Uh, Dan, what are you going to watch if you like this one? Yes, I look uh, based on this and based on a bit of a head fuck of a film. Uh, it's a it's a foreign language South Korean film. By it's a neo noir action thriller, Jesus. and it's directed and co-written by Park Chan Wook. And you'll know oh, it when you hear it. It's called Old Boy. Oh, so good. And uh, yeah, it tells the the story of O'Day Sue, who's imprisoned in a cell that uh, resembles a hotel room for fifteen years. Hence the uh, alignment oh, with with The Shining. So the twist in this is fucked. Yes, up. Big but time. Uh, but other than that, it's just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film. We we learnt it uh, in film studies at the university, and it was one of my favourite films that we looked at. One of my least favourite films that we looked at, Croxy, was Barry Lyndon uh, by mm. the great Stanley Kubrick, which was an absolute wank. And if he wanted to be a painter, he should have just gone and got himself a set of paint and painted a fucking painting <laughs> rather than just painted it on the screen for us. How bloody boring! Too old it boy. Is boring. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, make sure, uh, watchers, if you're going to watch Old Boy, watch the original. Do not watch the Hollywood remake with uh, yeah. Josh Brolin in it no. and Elizabeth Olsen. And do not watch it with your daughter. <laughs> not, no, it's definitely not a nine-year-old uh, daughter. Look, uh, 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 just spoiler alert. There is don't spoil! No, no, don't no, no, spoil! No, 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 hang on a minute. Spoiler alert. There's no vagina beards, okay? <laughs> Uh, G-Man. It's way, way worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all right. I foreshadowed this earlier. Oh, I think with these Stanley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, misery. Oh, oh good yeah. Talk. Yes. We talked about the same theory of isolation, very limited number of characters, cold, snowy settings, um, a great interpretation, and a real sense Riders. of foreboding, like where you start with a character that's that's normal on the surface and then just unravels into a psychotic persona as the movie rolls on. Um, yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie, and it it reminds me of this so much. Yeah, good call. Two writers, uh, Damo. I it's something that's been foreshadowed. I think you mentioned it. Um, if you love The Shining, you should love Ready Player One. 
Yeah. Mm. Completely different movie, but holy crap, if you like The Shining, you will thoroughly. The Shining The Shining that. scene is the best scene yeah, of that movie. You, and, 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 and the, and the yeah. photo with Halliday in it and um, the, with, the, with these, the girlfriend, and, yeah. you know, you go, oh, you just start seeing those things, you know. Yeah. The Room 237, the it's girl, brilliant. the blood, the dancing. It's just like, oh my God. It's yeah, great. And, and, and the axe in the maze, and yeah, yeah. it's so brilliant. Yeah, it's the, really well done. All the key parts of the movie are in Ready Player One. Great call. Yeah, it's good. Okay, I'm going to go, I, I've put two here. One is just two King movies. Salem's Lot, which is the telly movie starring yeah. David Soul that we mentioned earlier, is excellent. Really, really good. I watched it about a month ago. It's yeah. really good. But the director's cut of Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to this movie, don't watch the theatrical release. You need to watch the director's cut. It goes for about three hours, and it is really, really, really good. Ewan McGregor is uh, is Danny. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson plays uh, Rose the Hat, and it is uh, a fucking good movie. It's one of those ones where the director's cut is a thousand times better than the original film. Go and watch it. Adds a whole other layer. Uh, it's great to see Danny back, and he's still shining, and he's helping a young girl. It's a uh, it's an amazing film, Michael really really Flanagan? good. Yeah, Mike Flanagan, player? yeah, uh, who is a superstar. And uh, I was also going to say the other one I was going to say was House on Haunted Hill, which is Mike Flanagan's uh, Netflix series, which is another ghost story, which is incredible. It is. Yeah. Uh, okay, we are done. Uh, we have world record. now finished the, uh, the the podcast that has surpassed the length of the film by some margin. Uh, well done, gentlemen. Gal looked to be nodding off about 30 minutes ago, but you, you soldiered on, and you were you fucking did. good at the back end too. <laughs> Gal's very good at the back end. The back end of a bear suit. <laughs> yeah. The back end of a bear suit. Yeah. Gal's very good at the back end of a bear suit. And... Uh, <laughs> slightly smaller teeth than the bear, yeah, though. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Only slightly. Uh, look, it was a great episode. Croxy, thank you. Thank you. Croxy, that was mate. amazing. Thanks, mate, for coming in. It, it's, that it, was great. It, we, we do wax lyrical each week about being industry insiders, and to have Australia's greatest look-back actor yeah. join us in the panic room, <laughs> as it, it's, it's elevated the podcast, and I'm sure that we're going to bear amazing amounts of fruit from it. And, and mate, we we actually, I'm I'm looking forward to having you back. Oh, that's I think, kind of you. I think uh, yeah. I'll, I'll you, make sure I get my head around the format, so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not jumping lanes. Oh, no, uh, you only you, look. You know, we, we whipped you in the we whipped you a few times early because you were jumping ahead. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you were good. You like were, you're the, right, look like the nun in uh, Blues Brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The nice. penguin, you fat yeah. penguin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But look, Gregsy, I, I agree. I want. I want to say thank you, and you definitely classed up the joint. Yeah. And I just want to say, it's not I hard. just want to say, I want to say piss flaps <laughs> for no other reason than to declass up the joint. Wow. Now, no, just it. just to finish, oh, we you. we talk we talked about uh, born to watch only fans. We got a message come through while we were recording the podcast. Three words from a great fan of ours, Maddie Beer Geek, all the way over from WA. Three words. Pig face <laughs> lick outs. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll go down in the annals, and that is annals, not annals, yep. of Born to Watch. So we might have to change that whole uh, trophy to pig face lick outs moving forward. We might. might we're going to have to. We have, it's going to have to come into the. Uh, it's going to have to come into the show next week. I've made an executive decision here. We're going to go with a blockbuster. Dan is out. 
G-Man and Damo are See in. ya, suckers. <laughs> Enjoy talking about tights. <laughs> no, we are not doing a superhero film. Men in tights. We are doing a movie. Came out in 1993 and it changed the movie world forever. Steven Spielberg's... Dazed and Confused. Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Okay, so get T-Rex. your T-Rex arms ready. Oh, yeah, they're ready. If you've fallen asleep, wake up now. It's the end of the show. It's been a pleasure. Gentlemen, thank you. Damo? Thanks. Let's hit the showers, guys. Yeah, Croxy? I'll start running the water. <laughs> G-Man? Thanks, mate. Thanks, Croxy, for coming in. Pleasure to have you in here. It's Thanks, been... boys. See you all next week. Well done. Uh, D- Daniel? Nice agree to end us out there. Good work, yeah. Oh, work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. But flows from the lift, it's time to deploy. We gotta get out, the evil's coming by. <laughs> Farewell, PJ, by the ass's best guy. Oh, work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Oh, work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Oh, work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends.